What's up, Internet? You're tuned in to episode 73 of the Video Game Pals, the Pals Network's weekly video game podcast where a group of lifelong gamers get together to talk about video games, the news, and how it all makes us feel. I'm your host, Pete and Bessie, joined today by my steadfast companion, the Edgeord with the Heart of Gold, Mr. Robert Thompson. Hey, cool. I replaced Andy as the first uh, named guy. It's I mean, awesome. you show up, you show up, and you get you get to go first. You know, I mean, nice. that's... I'm moving on up, dude. I'm number two now. <laughs> Damn, you miss one show after hosting it when Pete couldn't. You cracked. <laughs> Talk about this, <laughs> and you get booted. You know, Andy Kick to the curb. I feel like over the 150 some odd episodes of podcasts we've done together, for all the crap you've given me, uh, this demotion is 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 uh, frankly long overdue. Uh, <laughs> listen, <Wow>. listen. <laughs> That's painful and understandable, but it still hurts to hear it put into words like that. <laughs> also joining me today is the Guildmaster himself, Mr. Sean Bartley. Hello, hello. And finally, of course, I wouldn't forget about him, my uh, ever-present co-host and antagonist, Mr. Andy Brown. Of course I wouldn't forget about him, he says, after having forgotten about me. <laughs> Listen, I didn't forget about you. I just, you know, it's just a little, it's a little slap on the wrist, you know, just, just reminding you who's, whose ship that is here, who, who's steering the ship, and that you are the first mate, so you got to stay in line, you know. Yeah, first mate, not third mate. <laughs> also, although I will accept the demotion to third mate if it means that you've inscripted Sean and Thompson into your pirate crew. Oh, oh yeah, no. they, they've oh, been no. shanghai a long time ago. Andy, take it back. <laughs> no, I haven't. Yeah, no, no, you can have number two, three, four, five, and six. I'm out. <laughs> Bailing. Mm-hmm. Alright, so now that it's just me and Andy on this show, um, <laughs> let's get into the show the way we sometimes do by talking about what we're playing this week. Uh, Alright, Sean, I gotta ask, have you touched Spider-Man again? Nope. Damn it! You're Man, breaking my heart, Sean. Stuff. It just came out. I know, <laughs> I know. He's hard at work. Beyond the Flames is busy. Where are you guys on your boss run right now? Uh, so we've killed three of eight at this point. Nice. And we're thirty percent. Uh, we're nice, at thirty nice. percent HP on the last boss or the fourth boss. So we're pretty. We're doing pretty well. Uh, after a bit of a rocky start due to the second boss being really, really horribly bugged. Um, things are going well for us. The Mythic Race is over, though. Uh, Method, for those of you who are aware of that group, uh, they won again. They were challenged by a U.S. guild for the first time in many years, which made this Mythic Race really fun. Uh, Limit got to the last boss before Method did, actually, and had him down to, I think, uh, around 5% HP, but... They were unable to kill it because the reset happened, and instead of choosing to re-clear the instance for more gear, they extended their lockout, which just means that on Tuesday, when instances reset, you have the choice of killing everything you already killed, or extending so that you can only fight the most recent boss you were working on, and they chose to do that, but it it meant that their player power hadn't increased really at all. Whereas mm. methods did dramatically because they re-cleared the entire instance. Therefore, they had enough player power to kill the boss, and they ended up winning the Mythic Race. That's like a really cool like risk-reward thing that you can do there. That like If you think you can clear it, let's just take the shot and be first. Yep. But you definitely run that risk. That's pretty cool. It was a gamble that definitely did not pay off. And what makes it even worse is that um, 
So the way that the way that it works out, the U.S. gets their reset first, technically, because for okay. us it's on Tuesday. For them, it's on Wednesday. So we have we have a leg up, but they ended up spending an entire day on this boss without being able to kill it. Whereas Method went in, re-cleared, and then killed it. So that sucks. Yep. Yeah. I, I totally understand why you'd want to try that. But like, oof, like you said, that's like that is a gamble that did not pay off. No, uh, and I think if I were in their shoes, I probably would have made the same choice. So I totally get it. It's a very logical decision, but it just didn't work. I mean, five percent's a close enough margin of error that you would just think we got this, you know? Yeah, you would think, okay, if we tweak this or that, if we have a better pull, if we get a little luckier. Method just said, hey, we need more gear, and they went and got it. Wow, seems like the smart play worked out. God bless them. Uh, yeah. That's that's power, really cool. Power to the people. Yeah. Uh, so unlike Sean, I played quite a bit of Spider-Man this week, um, and uh, I, I'm still like obsessively checking it away. I'm very very close to the platinum at this point. I haven't rolled credits on the the story yet because I want to roll them like at 100% completion. But uh, I've knocked out almost all of the collectibles. Like there's two or three that they haven't introduced to me yet. Um, but once, once I finish those out, I'll have done all of the side, like I've done with all the side quests. Now I'm literally just mainlining the story to get to the point where I unlock what's left You're of the map. You're a madman. <laughs> I'm, dude, I'm loving it. Uh, this, like, I'm, I think because I'm going the hundred percent route and I'm getting definitely more than the 20 hours that most people who just like played it got out of it. Um, I think by the end of it, I'm I'm probably not going to be as ravenous for more content as I feel right now. So I'm glad that there's DLC that's imminent, but that it's not like right right now. You know, like I'm glad that I'm going to have a little bit of space to get away from it for a bit. I feel you. I feel you. Um, which uh, it's it's been great though. You know, like I I really can't recommend the game highly enough. And like obviously I'm I'm a huge Spider-Man mark, but I think even if you're like not. Uh, a diehard superhero fan and like you just enjoy like a well-made uh third person action game there's a lot to enjoy here and uh thompson and i actually got a chance to play it on pals play this week um which you can check out on our brand newly minted youtube channel plug opportunities Uh, so we, this is going to be the first week that the Video Game Pals have our own home on YouTube. We wanted to give both the Comics Pals and the Video Game Pals a little bit more room to breathe, a little bit more room to do some new content in the YouTube space without putting out, like, four or five videos a day for you guys and muddying up your feeds. So, uh, now we have our brand new YouTube channel, which you can go check out, where this show will be airing, uh, in video format, ideally this week, uh, provided technical issues don't fuck us like they did with episode 100 of the Comics Pals. And... No. Yeah, right. And then you can also check out our, our uh, brand new series on Pals Play, all about Spider-Man. So go check that out. But, uh, Thompson, what did you think about the game with the little bit of time you got to play with it? Because you're, you're at the helm on that one. I got about, like, two hours so far. So, I mean, that's, like, that's enough to, like, have seen most of the systems, I think, so far. Or at least, like, glanced into them, you know? So, yeah. like, I remember what you were saying. I think you were saying last time that it was, like, uh, right in the beginning, the combat felt kind of dull or whatever. Um, not like dull, but like, yeah, you know, I remember Sean said that it was like stiff. Yeah. Well, I mean, I would agree. Like for the first hour I was playing, I felt like, oh, okay, I got this. And then right when I thought I got it, it was like, try this or try that. Here's some gadgets. And I was like, oh, okay, sure. 
And I thought, you know, maybe that'd be it, right? And then it was like, here's another set of gadgets. So like, oh shit! And I just realized that I had done maybe like I don't know, like one fifth of the the like wheel is full. So I was like, great. I my 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 worries of it being stiff and like kind of becoming repetitive just are gone at this point. At two yeah. hours, at one hour, I was like, eh. At two hours, I'm like, holy shit! What a different game. So <laughs> definitely I, um, has like an interesting curve to it. Like it's not super hard or anything. But I've died a couple of times because it was like you gotta kind of use this one gadget, and I thought oh, I'll just beat the shit out of these guys, and like now nah, you just get killed. So, um, yeah, I, I remember yeah. it was like in the third or fourth episode, like once you started getting comfortable, like with how to switch between your items and like when is the appropriate time to use what kinds of skills and stuff. You got in like a rhythm of it, and you were like, oh, it, yeah, it starts making sense a lot more, but it does take a lot of hands on, I think, which is yeah, that's fine, whatever. It's obviously like. Um, it's not like something you can just like watch and do. Like I would see people play this game before, so I had an idea, and just the amount of switching between buttons and menus and stuff, but how fluid it is is pretty interesting. I don't see a lot of games that kind of like expect you to do that many button combos or you know like sets to do things, but still make it feel easy. You know, because like Dark Souls is guilty of that. Like use every button and switch between menus, but load up your menu and go by like manual stuff. You know, like it's really shitty sometimes. So. Um, you know, really, really good, just all rounds, man. Like, from what I've seen, really incredible game so far. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that we get some good numbers on that because I'd love to keep playing that with you. It's been fun to kind of see it through your eyes and have you asking me questions about Spider-Man the whole time. Yeah, uh, so I saw if you guys, <laughs> if you questions guys... like, who is Spider-Man, and can you get me pictures of Spider-Man? <laughs> I've asked for pictures. <laughs> Uh, I remember and is Spider-Man a menace? Yes. When J. Jonah Jameson's Alex Jones-esque podcast started coming on, Thompson lost his fucking shit, so... <laughs> oh, I can't wait for that. Yeah, it's it's good stuff, man. Uh, and and I think... Um, this, this didn't make it to the news, but I did just want to shout this out real quickly because I think this is probably the last time... Uh, we'll end up talking about Spider-Man on this show until, like, Sean gets back into it properly. Um, because I'll be done with it after this week. But uh, Spider-Man uh, on PS4 has managed to sell 3.3 million copies in its first three days, uh, which means that, like, just doing some napkin math, it made uh, almost $200 million, uh, 198, which is above the $117 million opening weekend box office that Spider-Man Homecoming had, which is pretty cool. That's a great achievement for this game. Um, and then that also makes it the uh, fastest-selling PlayStation exclusive of all time, and that totally ignores all the sales that came of the PS4 Pro that I bought that was bundled with the game. So that's another, you know, probably several hundred, you know, maybe even thousand units that uh, are not even being accounted for here. So obviously this game was super profitable. Um, it seems like it's setting itself up for a sequel and everything like that. I don't think there's any question that we're going to get another one of these, uh, which I'm super happy about. Can't wait for the DLC. So, you know, if you haven't gotten Spider-Man, your hands on Spider-Man yet, um, you know, I highly recommend it. Thompson seems to be enjoying it. Sean liked what he played of it. And uh, if you're an Xbox player like Andy, go watch our awesome Let's Play of it and enjoy it until you can get your hands on a PS4. What a great If you're an Xbox decision. player like Andy, play Shadow of the Tomb Raider like Andy. That game's really good. Or that also that play it on PS4 and play yeah, Spider-Man. Nah. Wow. Wow, man. <laughs> it's almost like you could do... More. Don't buy PS4. Don't support Sony's anti-consumer decision-making. Yeah! Oh, that's bullshit. Uh, I also <laughs> did want to point out the game, uh, like, 
just knocked the previous um, record holder, which was God of War, uh, out of um, off by a million copies Ooh. from pre-orders. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So God of War had like had had that record for you know what uh, six months or whatever, and then Spider Man crushed it. So good for he you. Was always uh, gonna sell a gazillion copies. Well, I think I think you're right about that. Uh, we were talking about that off mic a little bit, where it's like it's Spider Man, it's PS4 at the height of its popularity, it's Insomniac who's a proven developer. Like Marvel's hot in general right now. Like the the the. Stars kind of really aligned for this game, I think. And, uh, yeah, yeah like, I, I think you're probably right. There was never a chance it wasn't going to be a hit. I don't know that I was expecting it to be fastest-selling PlayStation game of like, all time. Like, I feel like expecting that's not fair, but I think it was always going to be, like, a mega hit. Yeah, or or at least a contender for that crown, Yeah, because right? it's like, like, God of War sold that well, and Spider-Man is, like... Nothing against God of War, but Spider-Man is such a more accessible property. Yeah, absolutely. Then, like, you're buying... Everybody knows who fucking Spider-Man is. Nobody's coming in with a baggage of, like, oh, I didn't play the old ones, well, I understand what's going on. Oh, it's been, like, ten years. <laughs> yeah, like, you got the moms who are worried about video game violence. Like, it's Spider-Man. He's just gonna, like, beat up some bad guys. Yeah, it's not, a T-rated game. Like, that's yeah, really important. Yeah, he's not gonna murder the shit out of some gods and rip their fucking heads off. Like, it doesn't have any of the baggage that God of War has. Yeah, not to mention that, I mean, like, Spider-Man is, you know, aside from Superman and Batman, the most popular superhero in the world, you know, it's like that IP has resonance in a way that God of War doesn't. And that's not a dig at God of War. It's just, it's fucking yeah. Spider-Man, you know, like... A, go- a really, truly exceptional Spider-Man game was always going to sell big, big units. I still think it's impressive. I think it's it's impressive and it's worth celebrating that they were able to do this. It's a labor of love for that studio. And it's a moment for fans of the character because we haven't really had a ton to celebrate in the gaming space in a really, really long time. I think most people probably haven't played a Spider-Man game since Spider-Man 2. So for those people, uh, this is huge. I haven't played a Spider-Man game since Spider-Man 3. Uh, wow. I, I was one of those uh, people who chose to buy that game. And uh, yeah, so I mean, I'm very happy that it's doing so well and hats off. What was the one yeah, that's man, like Wolverine or something? Uh, that you're, you're thinking of um, Web of Shadows. That's the one I played. That was the last yeah. Spider-Man related game. <laughs> I played sure Web of Shadows good. and Shattered Dimensions, uh, which were both like Xbox 360 era Spider-Man games, and they were fine, but they were 7.0s. You know, they were they were fine superhero games. Like this is a were they fine? I a, a, fine. They were fine. Yeah, it was fine like, for and, me at the time. I'm not gonna go back and say I didn't have fun with it. Yeah, like I enjoyed it at the time, but that doesn't make it like uh, a a good or memorable like game in in and of itself like this is a this is a game that's worthy of being considered like part of the sony first party of being like one of the reasons to own the console and like that's cool and i think like sean said that's definitely uh worthy of praise and celebration so hats off to insomniac uh i love what you guys do in general but to see you uh put your hands on one of my favorite ip has been um a dream come true so can't wait for the sequel can't wait for the dlc uh, and then Andy, yes, you teased this before. You've been playing a little game called uh, Tomb Raider, haven't you? Yes, it's yeah, I love it. <laughs> it's so good. Um, 
I really loved the first two games in the reboot, and um, this Shadow of the Tomb Raider, the newest one, is uh, pushing what I liked about those last two games into like bigger, better spaces. Uh, particularly the exploration and like puzzles of it are really standing out to me. The combat is fine. Like, it's not, you know, I'm not going because I want to mow down a thousand people. It's it's a fun, like, competent, stealthy shoot 'em up where you sneak around, you know, killing people who can't see you with arrows until somebody sees you and then you pull out the AK-47. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> so it's like Metal Gear Solid, basically. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but, like, the game has been so much more, like platformer puzzles which i am fucking here for isn't there like a slider too or something where you can be like i don't really like puzzles that much so i want those to be easier but i want combat yeah, to be harder that's really yeah. cool so so the game's mm. got uh, like three modes of play there's uh the puzzles the combat and the like uncharted climbing sure and uh, you can uh adjust the difficulty sliders for all of them so like i have everything on hard right now because it's not, like, a particularly challenging game. So that just means, like, when I'm doing a puzzle, uh, Lara's not going to see I'm struggling and be like, oh, I have to do this now. And the the visual cues for, like, the route up a cliff face are going to be less pronounced. And I think it's a really smart decision to sort of segregate that out. Because it's just like such diverse modes of gameplay. It's yeah, really interesting. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah, I like I like the idea of kind of like giving people a little bit of control over like experiencing the content they that they want how they want to. You know, yeah. Like the game does a lot uh, by you know what it's from what it sounds. It sounds like it does a lot of things well. But, like, if you're yeah. just really not into one aspect of it, that can really muddy up your experience, you know? That was always mm-hmm. my big problem with Uncharted was, like, I don't like the puzzles. Like, they're not they're not hard enough to be, like, super challenging, you know? But they're not easy enough to just be, like, oh, you know? Like, and that was always, like, it felt like a stopgap. When all I wanted to do was get to the next set piece or the next cutscene or the next, you know, shootout. And I'm just, like, ah, right. fucking sitting here looking at a journal trying to figure out how... <laughs> <laughs> fucking gold stuff matches up like you know so that's, right, yeah. that sounds really cool that sounds like a really smart innovation i i think it is and i also think that um like story-wise it's doing a bunch of really smart stuff too um so like the game kicks off with you like racing the bad archaeologists okay that's you know the trope of archaeology stories it's like sure. a good archaeologist and the bad archaeologists want to like do nefarious stuff with things and you getting there and like taking this artifact sets off a chain reaction that gets a lot of people killed. So you're and the bad like, archaeologist now. Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, I Whoa. think the game's tone is is more of a maybe it's not great <clears throat> to go in and raid tombs for anybody. <laughs> yeah. In archaeology, there's no good or bad is what you're trying to say. Archaeology <laughs> it's, it's is immoral. Is the moral of the yeah. story. <laughs> Uh, and it's just like, hey, maybe you shouldn't just, like, go in and think, I have to be the one to, like, solve this ancient cu- culture's puzzles, random white lady. All right. Yeah, yeah like, I, I, I'm into it from that aspect. The whole, like, Laura might be the bad guy angle has been very intriguing to me. Yeah, it's it's really cool. Um, I'm digging the setting. 
I, I wanted that. to. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, it's just like lush South American jungle, and like Incan ruins is the aesthetic I want out of Tomb Raider. Sure. And so, like having that as opposed to like um, the the island in the South Pacific in the first one, or just like a mountain in Russia, which were both really cool, but it's not like you know the idea. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't feel like what when you think of Tomb Raider, you think of a setting that's like more jungly, more you know. Mm-hmm. The Amazon's yeah, perfect, yeah. and Incan ruins is perfect. El Dorado and everything, you know, the cities are sure. gold. It really does make sense. It's like logically the best point to have a trilogy end on. <laughs> Well, and it's also like you know, like let's let's be a thousand percent, like you know, uh, <clears throat> let's put all the I'll put all the cards on the table here, right? All of these kinds of stories take inspiration from old serials and Indiana Jones, and that's yeah. where all of those kinds of stories take right. place. You know, like when you think Tomb Raider, when you think archaeologist who's an adventurer, like you think tropical locations, you know, you think uh, ancient artifacts that you know, like that I. I, I totally get what you're putting down there, you know? And it's like, it's great to get outside of that once in a while, but it's also nice yeah. to get the the yeah, tone that like, you're expecting. Get that in, like, 2018 4K HDR. Yeah, totally. How does this uh, game stack up to the prior versions, the, the first two? Um, so far, I'm liking it slightly less than Rise of the Tomb Raider and a lot more than Tomb Raider 2013. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah. Uh, I thought that the first one was, like, way too combat-heavy. Okay. And uh, the the tip on the scales for me is that one of the challenge tombs in Rise of the Tomb Raider was fucking incredible. It was like a ship frozen in a waterfall. Yeah. And it was just like, that was one of my favorite experiences in all of video games. And Shadow of the Tomb Raider hasn't pulled out anything on that level yet. Are you far enough in that you think there would be something? Like, are you halfway done? Or? I'm, I think <laughs> I'm about halfway done. You might, yeah, the best for last yeah. will still be there. There might be something close. The, I'm surprised yeah, you made could, such a big dent in already. Yeah, I mean, the story's not super long. Yeah. And I haven't really been, like, going out of my way to do just, like, collectible hunting. Those are usually, like, 20, 30-hour games, right? Yeah. That's cool. Maybe I'll actually get around to playing it. Yeah, it's, I would, I would recommend it to anybody who enjoyed... Any of the Uncharted games, any of the last Tomb Raider games. So let me ask you this question. I've seen a lot of people criticizing the game's, uh, like, facial animations and voice acting. Has that been a problem for you? Uh, the, the facial animations have been a little weird. But like, like some Uncanny Valley stuff? A little Uncanny Valley. Uh, the voice acting's been fine. Okay. I just remember seeing, like, a couple people post clips of being like, this is off. You know, and, like, I remember there was one in particular who was, like, a woman who was, like, supposed to be laughing, but it sounded like she was crying. It was, like, very, just very strange. So, That's but weird. But I've seen a lot of people saying that they didn't have a lot of problems with some of that stuff and that it seems like the game runs a lot better on the Xbox uh, One X specifically. Like, that version seems to have almost no problems, but... Yeah. Obviously, voice acting is a thing that, like, you know, maybe you haven't gotten to this goofy side character who they had someone phone in. You know what I mean? It's like, out of context, any of that stuff can, you know. Yeah, any of that stuff can be weird. But, yeah, I haven't had any, like, problems with it. The the facial animations are, like, sometimes a little Uncanny Valley, but Mm -hmm. it's, like, never in parts of it that, like, have stood out as like wow this is a really inappropriate time it's just like yeah. you know 
talking to a random two lines of dialogue so you can talk to people character. Sure. Like a villager in a JRPG. Okay. That's cool, man. I'm glad you're enjoying it. I'm um, looking forward to hearing more about it when you get uh, when you get through it, which maybe by next week. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. But uh, if you guys want to let us know what you're playing this week, you guys can uh, write into the show and hear your thoughts right on the air. Give us a random question of the week or just say hey by dropping us a line at thevideogamepals at gmail.com. You can also follow our sister show at The Comics Pals, wherever your social media is sold, and keep up with all the cool stuff we're doing here at The Pals Network. And if you're an audio listener, we would really appreciate it if you would give this fine program a like on your platform of choice. Or if you really want to help us out, you can have, head over to Apple Podcasts, excuse me, uh, where we are currently a five-star rated show and give us one of those sweet sweet ratings uh, if you want to give us a four star review that's okay anything lower than that just don't don't waste your time man don't it's not worth it wow uh, <laughs> but if you're on youtube at our brand new youtube channel uh the video game pals proper you can do us a like by uh subscribing to the brand new channel liking this video <coughs> and clicking that notification bell so that you know when we post our daily videos uh because we're going to be doing like we said pals play monday through thursday uh you know the show should go up on fridays so you'll have a little bit of video game pals every day of the week so if you're a youtube person go ahead over there and even if you're not we'd really appreciate it if you'd go show your support give a sub to that brand new channel help us get recognized uh like a couple videos it it really does help out quite a bit and as sean likes to say uh it helps us a lot more than it costs you so you know um if you want to support the show easiest way you can do it and with that i guess that means it's time for the news the news we're talking about the news the news the news we're talking about the news all right, so <laughs> we've got uh, it's, it's, it's a packed news list. I'm going to put it that way. There's a lot on here. It says nine items. It's more like 12 or something. There's a lot of news this week, and I had to cut a ton because apparently we're back in full swing here, boys and girls. But let's start the show off by addressing the mushroom cloud of awkwardness in the room. Oh, God. Oh, oh no. According Why to, are we talking about this? You posted it in the news, Andy! I did not! <laughs> According to one Stormy Daniels, our president's dick apparently <laughs> looks like a Mario character. Specifically, one toad. Going hard for that explicit tag this week, huh? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, you know, we've been talking a lot about who fucks on this show recently, so I toad apparently. So the Guardian has obtained an early copy of her full book of her book, Full Disclosure, and the following uh, passage lit Twitter on fire last week, sending uh, terms like Mario Kart, Toad, and uh, Mario all into the trending uh, category on Twitter, but not quite for the reason that you might expect. You know, I I thought Donald Trump maybe just really into Mario Kart. No, unfortunately not. (laughs) So this this is what Stormy Daniels had to say. He knows he has an unusual penis. It has a huge mushroom head like a toadstool. I lay there annoyed that I was getting fucked by a guy with Yeti pubes and a dick like the mushroom character in Mario Kart. (sighs) The hell? God. (laughs) I just like again this is a weird thing to bring up but like it was a moment this was a moment uh if you're if you're a gamer on twitter you couldn't get away from this and like I I just I had to bring it up with you guys because who else am I gonna talk to about this nonsense? No, I, I get it. Why do you want to talk to anyone about this nonsense? <laughs> I need to process these feelings Andy <laughs> It's not easy. You don't. You just need to forget it ever happened. (laughs) I mean, that's. I feel like that's what Stormy would like to do, but she had to write a whole book about it. So, 
And now we'll never forget about it. It's like the game, and everyone just lost. I love that she put those two things together. Like, somehow in her mind, she thought about Toad while <laughs> thinking about Donald Trump's penis. Didn't know who Toad was, but definitely remembers him in Mario Kart that she probably played 20 years ago. Like, I, I just right. love that how that whole... How that works together for her to end up with Toad. Yeah. It's like, a journey. <laughs> think about how much it must look like Toad. If that's the, you know, okay, like, I don't, that's I don't really think about how much it looks like Toad. That's the whole point. <laughs> yeah, I don't either. <laughs> well, my question was, do you think it was that, like, he just zipped, he unzipped his pants and it was just like, hello! <laughs> <laughs> oh, Pete, no. <laughs> So I think Stop. I think just before, before before we move on from this, the funniest part about this in my mind was Nintendo of America's response on Twitter. Did you guys get a chance yes, to see this? this yeah, was yeah. Great. So uh, I've linked to it down below for you listeners, but just if you want to just get the you know the description of it, they literally just it was about probably like twenty periods in, indented, so it was this super long tweet, and then just a picture of Toad with just this blank fucking expression on his face. Oh, God bless you, whoever's running Nintendo of America's Twitter. <laughs> I like to think Reggie does it himself. I think he does. <laughs> I hope so. I'm I hope so. Like, that's all the decision-making that Nintendo Japan lets Reggie have. <laughs> he can run the American Twitter. That's I, all. I, I appreciate that they kept it, they kept it low-key. They didn't... Obviously, they're Nintendo. They can't get into the murk about why... Toad is trending or why Mario's trending, but if I recall correctly, maybe I'm misremembering, but they had tweeted out like, oh, we're so happy that uh, Mario's trending and all that jazz, right? Like, I think so, yeah. Yeah, so that, yeah sounds familiar. And then they're just like, oh. Right. Never mind. I, I, just, <laughs> I just love it. I, I, I assumed in my mind that whoever wrote that tweet already knew why and was just being a little playful. I was genius if they were, and I, I, I'm right there with you. I think that's what happened. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like there's a real opportunity there for just, like, you got to get in on the cultural moment. You know, it's like, you're trending, take advantage of it, even if it's fucking weird and gross and you're a family company. It's just like, make a, make a, if you, like, if you don't, if you didn't know that that was trending, this tweet wouldn't tell you anything. You know? Yep. I, I think that's, like, the right way to do it. <laughs> so moving right along. Uh, in other Nintendo news, um, there is a interesting little mystery that's been going on this week in the world of Pokemon. So if you, like me, have uninstalled Pokemon Go quite some time ago, uh, you might not have seen this until it hit the internet, but there is a, what seems to be a brand new Pokemon, never before seen, uh, that is appearing in Pokemon Go what? by accident. And uh, the story itself is really interesting. I'm going to just read an article about it real quickly here from one Andrew Goldfarb over at IGN. Uh, he's a great, great part of their news team over there, and he's like a big Pokemon Go guy. So I figured he'd be the one to fill us in here and, uh, and give us all the nitty gritty because this is very interesting. So the name of the uh, name of the, the article is completely new. Uncatchable Pokemon begins to appear in Pokemon Go. 
A brand new, never-before-seen Pokemon has started to appear in Pokemon Go, but can't actually be registered to the Pokedex. The mysterious new Pokemon, which was found by data, by data miners yesterday, began to appear in the Asia-Pacific region following the conclusion of Chikorita Community Day, a three-hour event that saw increased spawns of second-generation Pokemon Chikorita. After Chikorita spawns concluded, many players saw the mysterious new Pokemon appear on the nearby radar, but after encountering the Pokemon and attempting to catch it, the Pokemon immediately transformed into Ditto or Chikorita, and did not actually register to the Pokedex as seen or caught. Spawns of the new Pokemon lasted for around 30 minutes. Update. The Pokemon started to spawn worldwide after Asia Pacific's Community Day ended, and IGN was able to find one ourselves, but the Pokemon still turns into Ditto when a catch is attempted. And I actually know two people who had this happen to them. Uh, our own Kale Ward from the Comics Pals, and my buddy uh, Max over from LootPots.com also experienced these glitches in real time, and they're both in Europe. So, uh... Following Chikorita community, this is update two. Following Chikorita Community Day in Europe, the Middle East, Africa, and India, as well as North America, South America, and Greenland, the new Pokemon similarly spawned for thirty minutes, just like in the Asia Pacific region. So, <clears throat> if you guys haven't seen this, I've linked to it down below. Uh, it looks like a little silver Ditto with a gear on his head, <laughs> with like an eyeball in the middle, and apparently, whenever you encounter it, it's wild question mark question mark question mark appeared. Um. And then there's a little bit another weird wrinkle in this. To make things even more confusing, some players reported seeing Kecleon, a Generation 3 Pokemon that has not yet appeared in the game, spawning instead of the new Pokemon. But any attempted Kecleon catches similarly transformed into Ditto or Chikorita. <clears throat> While the event was initially assumed to be an error, Niantic's Pokemon Go Global Marketing lead <clears throat> also tweeted about the new Pokemon, suggesting that this may be an intentional tease rather than an accident. And since Ooh. then, Niantic's global community manager has also tweeted about the Pokemon. Nothing is known about the new Pokemon, but this is likely an early look at the next generation of Pokemon expected in the core Pokemon RPG due out in 2019. Previously, the Pokemon company teased a never-before-seen Pokemon would be available via transfers from Pokemon Go to the upcoming Let's Go Pikachu and Eevee on Switch. And is this is widely it is widely speculated that this is that Pokemon. This is weird. It's really weird. Sure is. <laughs> so... First of all, oh, I'm sorry. There's there's one oh. last thing. It actually, uh, when they did a data mine yesterday, they saw that it had a Pokedex number of 891. Oh, now that's legit. That's that's the last wrinkle. You, now go ahead. First of all, things like this creep me out. For those of you who remember, missing no was yep. super creepy to me. Really, really strange. This seems to be that kind of thing. Uh, Missing no was a mistake, though, and this seems to be deliberate. I kind of like the fact that they're teasing something out that we're not necessarily going to have access to for a little while yet. However, I kind of wish that it just, like, instead of when you catch it, it just turns into another Pokemon. Unless that's a part of its ability set, I kind of wish yeah. that it just ran away or something like that. Instead of... Because it makes it seem like it's a glitch, and I'm not sure if that's intended. I kind of just want to know more about their philosophy behind this whole thing, because as it stands, it just feels really weird, and it's kind of cool, but I'm leaning more towards just weird at the moment. So I like definitely oh. got the impression that this was a glitch, and then they just like tried to own it, you know? Yeah, I mean, the cool thing, I think, is like... The Ditto part is really interesting, but it has like a gear on it, and it's only in Pokemon Go, which is like an entirely electronic version of Pokemon. So maybe they're like, what if we made a Pokemon that's like 
like a virus or something, you know, and it like ditto would be the perfect thing for it to disguise itself as because it could be anything. I think so. What if it's, you know, that's like genius as shit. If somebody like had this happen and that either fell into their hands or they planned it. But that's like just off the cuff. My idea, like what from what this seems like and it turning into like a Chikorita is pretty benign. You know, people would be like, oh, that's weird. You know, well, and, there was the Chikorita then, so like that could have just been a glitch when maybe it's supposed to turn into a Ditto, or maybe it's or, because <laughs> there's that Ditto thing in Pokemon Go where you ca- you can catch a Pokemon and then it turns into Ditto. So yeah, it's like, who knows? What? Yeah, there's, yeah, there's a thing so for that too. In Pokemon Go, the way you catch a Ditto is you see a Pokemon that you think is a normal Pokemon, but it has the Ditto face, and then you catch it, and then it's and then you realize it's a Ditto. That's creepy. Oh my god. That's. I like it. It's creepy. But I like but, yeah, Ditto's cool would be just doing that in the wild, so that's kind of like... Sure, yeah. I, don't, I yeah. don't have a problem with it in terms of logic, it's just really weird. I, oh, it's weird. Yeah. They I don't, don't be even, a shit, too. I don't even want to play Pokemon Go because of the way it functions, that, you know, there could just be a Pokemon behind me, I think that's fucked up. <laughs> but then, if on top of that, it, it had Ditto face, but it was really a Squirtle, I'm done. I don't want to see that. Yo, there, there were, like... For some reason, right outside of my room, specifically on my street, is like this super hot spot. So when Pokemon Go is huge, the kids would be like, no joke, like five feet from my windows, like catching shit on my lawn. And there's a spot like right there. And it would always be like just constantly happening. So I really hope people don't play Pokemon Go again because like there was just people constantly stepping. Yeah, and there was like 2 a.m. I'd just be hearing kids outside, like 10 year olds and stuff. And I'm like, why is my whole town congregated on my house? And then like, my girlfriend would show me Pokemon Go, and she's like, "Look, your house has like the only spot, and like it's it's like right here. It's wow. like everyone comes from here. It's nuts. I, I, I hate it. So for that reason, I'm never playing Pokemon Go because they're always right outside my window watching me. I mean, if they're I, bugging you. Well, I guess it's probably not anymore. But uh, if it does get back in like popular, popular I'm gonna put a again, fence around a that corner of my house. That, but you you can also <laughs> uh, like email Niantic and be like, hey. Cut this shit out. And oh, they okay. Will. Yeah, I mean that might act like whatever. I thought it'd be more fun to fuck with the kids. Like, oh, it's right over there, but we can't get to it. And it would just be hilarious watching like the entire town's children population struggle to get a Pokemon right outside my window. And I could be like, I don't even play this game, and it's mine. I cold like I cold the third. Like it's it's all of them. Just get a lawn chair and a gun, and <laughs> well, hang out for a while. And no, you probably sh- won't have that problem anymore. <laughs> Well, Jesus. it's just like little kids having Pokemon problems. I'm not gonna like get a gun, you know. <laughs> Thompson you know, just sitting there with an AK, like chewing yeah. on some tobacco. You don't have to use it. You just kind of like, you know, no, like a scarecrow, it. just hanging out. Oh, I'll get like my my Nerf Thompson, guns. Just get some old eggs. <laughs> I eat all my eggs though. <laughs> just throw them at the waste of food. <laughs> okay, see old that's eggs, worse. Though. I didn't yeah, apply a lot worse. any kind of violence. Just threat. Just the threat just of fear, violence. Yeah. Fear is positive, but actual violence against children, I don't support that. Not acceptable. Neither does Bethesda. I can't kill the kids in Fallout. Like, what the hell? Whoa. You know? <laughs> like, when Megaton <laughs> blows up, where do the kids go? But for some reason, you can't shoot them dead? I don't... Okay. Thanks, you know? Uh, I think you should be able to kill them, yeah. Probably. Yeah, I mean, come on. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's what I'm saying. If you want to have a, a realistic sim, yeah, Low you got to be able to murder, murder We're children. We're all green. We should be able to murder children in games. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I advocated punching 10-year-olds in the face on the Comics Pals like two weeks ago, so I'm just saying. And you're whatever. sick. Oh, you, you know. Real 10-year-olds? You've never, or like you've never met a 10-year-old that you wanted to punch in the no. face. I'm not saying I would, but... Post me being 10? No, I haven't. <laughs> I punched That's a good way to put in it. the face of 10, but then, then I stopped. 
because I wasn't. God, then I turned eleven. Yeah, <laughs> and then I kicked him in the face because I'm a man. <laughs> then I, well, no, then I punched eleven-year-olds in the face. Well, that's fair. Boom. <laughs> Sean has punched someone in the face at every age of his life. That's no. his birthday. Be consistent. No. <laughs> at one year old, he's just throwing bows. <laughs> <laughs> they, knew right, he, so... they call him the Guildmaster that day. <laughs> <laughs> That's why he's a leader. So, uh, speaking of Nintendo, we've got a, a slight update on a story from uh, last year that isn't quite as exciting as people think. Uh, so, I wanted to have one of those segments where I get to burst people's bubbles. That's always fun. S- yeah. <laughs> so, uh, long-time listeners will remember our discussion uh, about last year, I think, uh, about the N64 Classic leak that happened, where uh, Nintendo was applying for some new trademarks. It seemed to be pointing to the idea of an N64 Classic, uh, and it seems now that those trademarks have finally been approved, uh, at least in Europe, which... Uh, means that it seems as though Nintendo is on track to start developing the next classic console, the N64 Classic. And when we brought it up last time, we talked about some of the problems that might, you know, be faced with that, licensing issues, what games might make the cut, you know, the issue of getting all the controllers in one box. Uh, so I, I don't want to rehash all that stuff. I, I kind of wanted to focus on why you shouldn't get your hopes up about this being a release this year. So I've seen a lot of people giving credence to that idea, especially given our next news story. Uh, But if you look at the timing of the NES Classic and the SNES Classic, it seems really unlikely that this is a a, a 2018 release. Because if you'll remember, take you on a walk, both the SNES and the NES Classic were revealed in the summer and then sold in the fall and winter season around Black Friday time. They were big holiday things. So the idea of this... Pat or uh, not patent trademark just coming through and then turning around and developing this thing in in time for it to be on shelves in three to four months seems like a tall order especially when it's like there are games that are like you know how many important n64 games are tied up with licensing stuff that they would need to figure out you know your banjo kazooies your donkey kong 64s your diddy kong racings like you need some of those rare games on there like we all know you're not going to get GoldenEye, but like you want Perfect Dark, like you want Jet Force Gemini, like a lot of those games are games they're going to need to go through negotiations for, and aside from the optimization, setting up the UI, figuring out how to get two to four controllers in one fucking box, like there's a lot that still needs to go into this, and I, I don't think this is around the corner. Um, but what do you guys think about this? Did you make anything of this announcement, or were you like me and kind of, I already knew this, and rolling your eyes when you saw people getting too hype about this one? That one. That second one. <laughs> Uh, I, I, I don't know. I didn't have any reaction. I, I, you know, I, I recall that we had already talked about it and I think people's memories of the N64 are fond because it was a great console and had a lot of great games, but, uh, we're not going to see them. And, uh, I don't know that this is on the horizon. I, I, I think it's definitely coming. I don't, Sometime. I don't think it's, yeah, I don't think it's imminent at all, but I think, I, I think next year maybe yeah i can see this being a next year thing because like yeah. all the reasons you said like i don't think this is ever not gonna happen there's gonna be a point where we're gonna see a 64 classic i think i'm like pretty sure but you can't just grab the licensing for europe's thing like go, like it wasn't even america's one yet so it's like can't have that you can't have the games and all that not ready get the shit together shipped out and like for, on sale you know it's you can't do it for christmas even probably it's crazy you know so 
it would make sense. The cycle before was put it in the summer, release it, you know, show, hey, look, what we're doing. And then it gives you time to negotiate even longer. You know, you got a whole year away. Fight for your pre-order. It it's also not like Nintendo needs to have this to, like, have an edge in, like, the sales coming up. They got everything they want. So it, it's not like they're hurting. You know, this would be good for, like, what they're probably saying, what are we going to do next year? Well, there you go. You got a 64 Classic by the, you know. That, that's yeah. something you could bank on if you were a Nintendo, right? And it would make even just more sense to, to hold on to it until they needed something that maybe they weren't doing so hot in the second quarter of next year. Um, they seem to be doing a lot of decisions lately that are like that. Like, you know, how is this going to affect, like, their sales culture rather than, How like, does this fit you know, in the portfolio? Right, rather than, like, mm. oh, well, you know, people want this, but it's like, I mean, you can want all you want, but, like, you know, we'll sell one already. So... Yeah, Nintendo um, knows that timing is right. everything. <clears throat> they're they're and, very big uh, on that, for sure. Yeah. So that might make I, more sense to keep on Something to that you said also spurned a thought in me is that, like, do you really want to push the N64 Classic when you just launched the Nintendo Switch Online and the big yeah, thing exactly. that you're trying to sell it is, it's got classic NES games and you can buy the NES controllers, like... You know, space yeah. these things out, and people will probably buy all of them. That's, I mean, you that's know, what they do with Amiibo. Once. You know, like Amiibo yeah. still come out, and they're just like they'll drip feed it. You know, and it's just yep. they they market things like a toy company, and there's nothing wrong with that. But but doing so does generate a lot of money for them because they get to space yep. things out better, and people just are going to get it because they know. You know, especially with this stuff that is legitimately a toy. Oh right? yeah, like for sure. Yeah, the the NES and SNES classics are like collectors' items that you know, like I think gamers want to have on their shelves or whatever. But I think they're just as much like the thing for you to buy. Like they're a great Christmas gift if you're somebody like oh, like remember, like you know, you like maybe you're in your 30s right now or something like that, or you're you know you're you're late uh, or your early 40s or whatever, and like you and your your you and your brother, you and your sister used to grow up playing Super Nintendo games, and it's like let's get this and play Street Fighter together or whatever like on christmas day like i feel like th that is a huge market for this too and oh, it is marketing like a toy company makes sense because it's a fucking toy even you know? my parents are like holy shit the snes classic like that thing's awesome. like oh, i remember that yeah. thing that's cool because i think yeah. same thing with the playstation one classic my dad will get excited right. about that yeah i mean you know? i got the snes when i was five and i was playing you know like street fighter and shit my dad was like when that first thing came out I was, he was like oh my god this got street fighter like he doesn't remember the other ones, he's like, it's got Street Fighter. Like, that's where his mind went, you know? Yeah. It's 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 just like, that's what we're going to have with the 64. People are going to go, oh, does it have GoldenEye? Like, that's going to be the first no. question. And if it doesn't... <laughs> it will not have GoldenEye. <laughs> I know. I, thinking about it, though, it, I really think GoldenEye is, GoldenEye is the only essential N64 game that I think can't make the cut. Dude, like... I think all the why, other why rare can't games... It, why can't we live in a world just, where we get GoldenEye in the 64? I think it's specifically <laughs> because it's like, you'd need to get Nintendo, Microsoft, and whoever owns the rights to fucking James Bond to agree. There's music right, licensing yeah. issues. Like, I, I think... But I if think they fork over is... enough cash to do this one yeah. game, they could and do I it. Just, I don't think they will. But the <sighs> thing is, like, maybe the James Bond people are like, well, fuck it. Like, yeah, I mean, we're the not series making any money off Goldeneye. Isn't making like, money anymore, yeah, like, and, and they're not making games on it. And, and like, Microsoft's, like, like, they'll play with Nintendo to fuck Sony. I think I think the Microsoft thing is a lock. Microsoft and Nintendo have been buddy buddy lately. I feel like putting out one or two of the rare classics on an N sixty four classic and let, letting them get a pay a payday. Oh, that would be yeah, possible. no problem. Definitely possible. Then in that case, I don't think that I don't think GoldenEye is out of reach at all because I yeah, don't exactly. think that the people who own the rights to James Bond give a crap about 
what happens on a on a on a console. They're not making games. Yeah. It's a it's a beloved game. They would like to be a part of that conversation if anything. I hope so, because uh, that would be great, man. I, Goldeneye is the only one I see as being a, a holdout, or, or you know, like again, I think like Tony Hawk is one, but that would be more at home on the PS One Classic, I think. But like licensing issues would be a bitch for that game. But like in terms of most of the other N sixty four like mainstays, most of them are Nintendo owned. I still strongly feel like we're not going to see Perfect Dark, Banjo Kazooie, or any uh, wrestling game, and to me, those are essentials. I, I, I think there's a real shot we see those. I think I think yeah. we will not if, see the wrestling games. This is not going to happen. Oh, not the wrestling games. I'm sorry. I I, I, I think you roboted out for me at that specific part. I I was responding to uh, Perfect Dark and Banjo. Oh. I think I think those are a real possibility. Um, but I, it depends. It depends. Like Microsoft could have plans for those franchises that we're not aware of. Like you know who who knows, right? But Microsoft has their version. Of banjo that you can buy on the Xbox, yeah, live arcade thing. It was on the rare replay. Like they've got their money on that thing coming and going. If you want it on an Xbox console, and this is like you said, it's it's a separate thing. And you know, I could I could see them being like, well, yeah, whatever. Like let's 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 take the the payday and like play nice with Nintendo because we've been friendly with them and it's been going well. Yeah, you know? yeah. I and since like most of these games are rare games anyway, like they'll just have to convince them essentially if they still have the rights for it. You know. Microsoft owns them, so that's, yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing. Like, Golden is even a rare game, so it doesn't matter. If they got, you know, all of them in one package like that, and they can see... The only one... Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, if they can just, you know, like, if that's the the point, that's the only one is Microsoft, then I can see it being a lot more doable. Yeah, I I think so. I think, and the only, the one game that we know, like, Donkey Kong Country, that's a rare game, but, like, Nintendo owns publishing rights on that one, so we could get that, no problem. Diddy Kong is probably in a... Diddy Kong Racing's in a weird area, because it has Conker and Banjo in it, but... Um, but we'll see. We'll see. Uh, I think this is something that, that we'll probably end up talking about again in 2019, if I had to guess. <laughs> Once a year. Yeah. But there is a classic console coming to your to a store near you this holiday season, and it happens to be the PlayStation 1 Classic. So uh, Sony took to the PlayStation blog to announce the PlayStation Classic. It's going to be coming with 20 preloaded games. We already know that there's going to be Final Fantasy VII, Tekken 3, Wild Arms, uh, all are going to be on there. It's coming out on December 3rd, and it's going to be uh, retailing for 100 bucks. Uh, if you guys check out, I've got the link down below, um, for the PlayStation Classic. They showed the box. It looks very reminiscent of the original box. Uh, they had an announcement trailer that was a total throwback to, you know, the golden age of PlayStation marketing and stuff. Uh, 45% smaller than the original PlayStation. We've got the two original PlayStation controllers, so unfortunately there isn't the DualShock. Uh, obviously there's HDMI output powered by USB-C, even though they didn't in, they don't include that in the box for some fucking reason, because apparently this is like a 3DS and we don't need to charge it. No, you have a, you have a, you have a charger in your house, right? They don't give you the charger. (laughs) They sure don't. No, they don't give you the fucking power. Do they assume that everyone's got a switch and you're going to use the USB-C from that? And that's what you're going to get the power from? I I fucking guess, man. Uh, and then they also showed off some cool stuff, like all of the buttons, on because you'll remember if you've played the uh, NES and Super Nintendo Classic, like, both of them don't exactly, like, all the buttons don't work exactly how they do on the real console, 
Um, but for this one, all the buttons are usable. The power button turns it on and off. The reset button will suspend your software and put it in sleep mode. And then you use the like open disc thing to like change games. Oh, which is which that's is cute. Really neat. I like that. That's cool. So uh, overall, I I feel like very uh, kind of torn on this. Um, oh, I'm sorry. There's one more thing. It does come with two controllers. Uh, so you can do all the local multiplayer stuff like Tekken right out of the box. And um, it's worth noting that the December 3rd date is actually uh, the anniversary of when the PlayStation was originally released in, in the U.S. So that's pretty cute as well. Mm. But um, I think this is a really cute little console. I, I really like it and I, I want it. But I, I really do feel like 100 bucks is a little steep. Like, do we have the list of the I, games? Like, do we, we know what's on it? We only know no. we only know the 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 few that they've announced. So there's uh, Final Fantasy VII, um, Tekken Three, Wild Arms. Yeah, those ones. And then it, it, I mean, like, if you look at the, the fold, Ridge then, Racer Type Four. Yeah, mm. in the trailer, there's Ridge Racer Ridge Racer Type Four, and then jumping something. It's like actually the first 3D platformer. It predates Mario sixty four by oh, like, okay. uh, I think two years. Um, if they can get Warcraft two on the PlayStation 1 Classic. That's how I first played Warcraft. <laughs> that shit was great. I played that game so much that the game couldn't handle how many shit I'd, how much shit I'd make in the game sometimes. Like, some campaign levels would just bug the fuck out because of that. Jumping Flash. Sorry, that's the name of the game. Oh, um, fucking one. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I want this. I want it because I'm a Sony fanboy. I'm a fucking PlayStation mark. We all know this. It's so... But 100 bucks feels a little yeah, steep. I, it's, I, it's I feel a little like 100 much. bucks is okay for it. Um, like it depends on the games list, but I think there's there's two big problems with this from for my money. Uh, one is the AC adapter sold separately. That just feels like a big middle finger for a hundred. If it, yeah. yeah, that's what I'm saying. So just make it one twenty. Like just yeah, or just you know put, uh, like, just put it in there. Uh, two is December third is a fucking late launch date. Which like yeah, I don't I don't know if it's. Uh, if they're gonna do the Nintendo planned shortages thing, or if they're just gonna pump out so many of these because they know they'll sell, it definitely seems that way. Because I know like pre-orders have been live for a week now, and they're still available. You know, yeah. But like, if if this is hard to get, launching it December third means you're getting it on launch day for a Christmas gift, or you're buying it from a scalper. I mean that that date is for nostalgia purposes, and I think that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's it's there's like a there's like a poetry to it, you know. It's like it, it feels like a really like a cool way to honor that date, you know. But I, I, what Andy's saying, there's there's definitely some truth to that. Because um, fighting, if it's readily available, no big deal. If you're fighting for a version of it, getting it that late uh, to the holiday season, if their goal is to put it out as like a a Christmas like you know gift stocking stuffer kind of thing, like that could that could lead to some problems. But it could also drive up demand for it. If you're trying to get one, you can't get it, and then you get it in January or whatever. This is common. This, I mean, we we um, we talked about the SNES Classic and how they, how Nintendo kind of treats some of their stuff as like a toy company. Well, in toys, this happens all the time. Uh, it happened when I was growing up, and I'm pretty sure it still happens where they all release a toy and deliberately have a shortage, and then you know everybody wants it for Christmas. That's it's normal. Um, I think this is. This is what the people want. This is absolutely what the people want, and the people are going to pay to get it, one hundred dollars or whatever. I I agree with you that when I saw the price, it kind of it kind of like soured my interest a little bit. 
Um, and then I and then it was okay. Well, now I need to see what the games are because mm-hmm. I already have a lot of those games still. So, yeah. is it going to be worth my money to buy a hundred dollar console full of games that I already have? It depends. Final Fantasy VII right now is the main thing that's keeping me interested because I never played it and I mm. don't have access to it. So you get it on Steam? No, no, no. I, 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 <laughs> I, I, I only play Blizzard games on the computer. So it is also coming to Nintendo Switch. No, I will only play it on a PlayStation device. I think it's on PlayStation Four. Oh, well, I, I, that, that I don't know. Sean, no, is. I will only play it on the original controller. <laughs> well, then you know what? This is the perfect play. <laughs> so that, so, but that's that's keeping my interest. And then it's like, okay, well, what other classic PlayStation games are going to find homes on this? Are we going to get Crash? Are we going to get Spyro? It's kind of weird because they just re-released those. Um, Crash same boat. Yeah, I, yeah, I said, I said. Crash oh, I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't hear that part. Um, so yeah, that I think I'd love to speculate about what what will actually be on this thing. Yeah, let's do Crash that. Crash Team Racing must get that would be that would be a system seller for me, that. straight up. Crash Team Racing is not available like fucking anywhere except for the PS3 uh, right now, and I would I would absolutely do that. That was my kart racer back in the day because I didn't get my N64 until later, and I only bought single player games on it. You know, like except for like Smash, um, so like CTR was my fucking kart racer. So I would. Oh man, how did it feel to like grow up wrong? <laughs> uh, no, Andy, that's I, that's a question I would mirror back at you because much like your affinity for Charmander, you're like, oh, how did it feel not grow up with the basic bitch option when the clearly superior option existed? Crash Team Racing was the best kart racing game until Mario Kart Eight. Whoa, no, Diddy Kong Racing? Not. You're not even going to talk about it. It wasn't even the second best That's kart racer. crazy Mario Kart 64 better than Crash Team Racing? Diddy Kong Racing better than Mario Kart Mario Kart 64. 64. Mario Kart 64 is so overrated. That game, that game is Still like... Still better the, than Crash Team Racing. Nope. So that is the definition of, of games that we look at with nostalgia yester- glasses. So yesterday on the, on the Comics Pals, we did a segment called Bad Takes. Uh, Pete just nominated himself. For that segment on this show, I because stand that is by an that insane statement. Just you never played back it. To bed. Just because, it just because Mario Kart 64 plays a little weird now that we have 20 years of separation, doesn't mean that when it was out, it wasn't the hottest thing. And on top of that, I agree with Andy. Diddy Kong Racing was better than that. Diddy Kong Racing is definitely better than Mario Kart 64. That's not up for debate in my mind. Um, but CTR is better than both of them. No, it's not. I, it's I, so wrong. How do you know? You never played it, Sean. That's because it's not possible. You didn't play it because it wasn't good enough. How, yeah. How can you say it's not possible when you've never played the game? I played all those games. The drifting's better go. in that game. The items are better in that game. Like, straight up. It's better. It's a better game. You're so wrong. You're no. You're so wrong. I, whatever. I stand also, by that. Also, your your hot take was wrong on yet another level because Mario Kart Double Dash is so much better than Mario- any of those fucking trinity of late '90s kart racers. Okay, I'll give you I'll give you Double Dash. I'll give you Double Dash. Mario Kart Eight, Mario Kart Double Dash, Crash Team Racing. That's my that's my definitive ranking of uh, of kart racers. You're sick. Anyway, you're, you're sick. a twisted man, <laughs> Pete and Bessie. What are uh, what are the other class? What are the must have classics? 
So we've got we've got what five right there already. So we need fifteen more games. So I'm I'm saying Metal Gear Solid. Metal Gear Solid. Uh, ideally, one I would say one or two Crash Bandicoots. It depends on like do they do one or two of multiple of these? Like you know because some of those are like the Crash and Spyro games are like. <coughs> Landmark franchises, you know, just one. but like I think one for each, right? Yeah, like, yeah. If there's only twenty, one for each. Definitely, Cry go, should be on there. I'd personally go Crash Two. Then I think that's the best one, but they're probably just gonna do Crash Bandicoot. So Crash One, Spyro One, uh, Crash Team Racing. I've seen a lot of people throwing out Toomba. That was a really beloved platformer. It was like that pink-haired kid with all the pigs and shit. Mm-hmm. I remember that game was big. Weird. Yeah, sure is. Um. Do they represent think like, Metal uh, Resident Evil? Yes, Resident Evil One for sure. I would say. Do they represent um, Mega Man? With uh, Mega I Man think 8? they'd go Nemesis. You think Nemesis? <laughs> they'd probably put two. I man, right? Nemesis. Doesn't everyone like two the most? RE Two is the one that everybody likes, but they're also I, they're, they're also remaking RE Two. Yeah, they're, get, they're getting that, the remake. It makes sense. I think that's the one everyone yeah. likes. If they're remaking it, that means that they'd have the old one that they're working on fresh. Maybe they're just like fuck it, throw that in. You know. <laughs> what was the other one you threw out, Sean? Mega Man. Maybe I could see Mega Man like eight, maybe, but like I don't feel like that's like when you, when I think PlayStation One games, that's not one of the ones that comes to mind. Yeah, like, in the same way that like Mega Man was like associated with the NES, you know, or like yeah. Mega Man X was with Super Nintendo. Well, what? I feel like X I associated with the PlayStation. Yeah. So like really? I would assume uh, Mega Man absolutely. X would be or one of the X maybe three. I don't know with the one with uh, Panzer Dragoon and shit. Like that one was really cool. Um, I could see that. I, I don't. Yeah. I don't know that I would think of that one as one of the twenty, but I. I wouldn't be surprised. Here's a, I think like. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say here's a gem that I haven't seen thrown out yet. Uh, Twisted Metal. Yeah, I was right? saying Twisted Metal two. That was gonna be my pick. I feel like Twisted Metal two mm. is a no fucking brainer. Um, I still stand Jet by Moto. them putting Devil May Crying because it was just the reason I bought a PlayStation back then. So that was on PlayStation two. Oh shit, two. Oh yeah, damn! Yeah, unless I'm so fucking old now. Wow. Legend of the Dragoon. Yeah, Legend of Dragoon. I was gonna say that one before, damn, but we got to I forgot about that's that. A, that. That's like a first party game, so that would be there. You'd think, uh, like I said, Jet Moto was a big one. Um, <sighs> Digimon well, there's World. There's other JRPGs. There's a ton of other JRPGs too. Wait, what'd you say? Digimon World. I would Ooh. love that. Are you kidding me? Oh, That'd be great. That one could happen. Yeah. I was joking, but. I would, I, I would actually do it, legit love it. But I loved, yeah. I love the, oh yeah, I love those games. Um, I, we're we're getting towards the end. Like we've named yeah. a good amount here. I, I'm trying to think if there's any other like must plays that aren't. Well, was it Metal Gear Solid? I mean, could they put, you know, like anything else weird like that on? You know, like I don't maybe know. like Chrono Cross. Yeah, uh, it, could, it could be, could be. That's a possibility. I'm trying to think of other Worms Armageddon. That would be a fun game. <laughs> that would be cool. Nice. Thompson. I fucking love the Worms franchise. How about... Wait, we never mentioned Parappa. Oh, oh Parappa. Yeah, right. And they then fucking uh, Castlevania. Symphony of the Night. That's another one. Yeah. No I fucking mean, brainer. I see, like, I don't know if they put that on, though. They Because that game oh, is on everything would, already. Though. But that's like, that was like, at the time, it was only on PlayStation. Oh, I know. It was, like, it was that ridiculous. Was, that is one of the PlayStation games. That's one of the only PlayStation 1 games that holds up. Yeah, I mean, I, I still play that game, so I don't, you know, I don't um, care. I could also see, I could also see Croc. Do you guys remember Croc? I do. Ooh. Didn't play it though. Me neither. But that's another one that, like, I feel like has steam. So yeah, I, I feel like I feel like we threw out some good ones there. We're close to twenty. If we didn't hit twenty, 
Um, I, I think the the takeaway is that there's a lot of really good games on the PlayStation 1 that are worthy of revisiting. And uh, not all of them hold up, but some of them do. And especially the JRPGs. If this thing is just like a solid 90s JRPG machine, no complaints here. Uh, let me get Final Fantasy IX on this bitch. Just acknowledge Final Fantasy VIII because it ain't on the Switch. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> uh, and then this is just a little side piece that I picked up from another article uh, that we're going to be referencing for our next uh, news piece. But Sony Interactive Entertainment Senior VP uh, Hiroku Oda confirmed that the 20 titles that have been announced are, will be different depending on which region you're in. Hmm. So Japan might get a different set of games than, than the West. But it seems like us and Europe are probably going to get the same console. So... Interesting to point out there that uh, there might be some, you know, PS1, like, Japanese classic gems that we just don't even really know about that could show up on the Japanese edition. Sure. I'm sure there's going to be something. Yeah. Interesting to think about. Okay. So uh, before we get into our next news story, uh, unfortunately, Thompson's got to bounce out again. It's uh, a rainy Sunday. (laughs) <laughs> job has been uh, been calling him in because it's it's prime time here in the movie business. So uh, sorry, bud, but we'll uh, we'll catch you next week. All right, bye. <laughs> Reluctantly. <laughs> so in other sad news, uh, while Sony has announced a new product in the PS One Classic, they also announced the end to perhaps the most critically underrated console of all time, the PlayStation Vita. Uh, Oda told Famitsu at Tokyo Game Show this year, Currently, we do not have any plans regarding a new handheld device. In Japan, we will manufacture PlayStation Vita until 2019. From there, shipping will end. And uh, I saw a couple people where they said in Japan, you know, so they were like, oh, maybe they're going to still do it in other regions. No, that's where it's manufactured. So this this is unfortunately the end of the PlayStation Vita uh, come 2019. Not surprising. (laughs) <laughs> uh, yeah, not not totally surprising, but but obviously upsetting. Uh, I, I have been a, a strong proponent of the Vita since I acquired one, and before that actually. And uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm sad to see it go. I'm sad to see it never truly reach its potential. But uh, before the Switch, I think it was build wise the finest handheld on the market for quite some time. Um, and I, I really enjoyed my time with the PlayStation Vita. And uh, Andy picked one up just in time to be on the right side of history. I mean, I'm not on the right side of history. I picked it up because it it fit my unique needs as someone who wants to play a lot of JRPGs on the go. It's really good for that. It was. It is. But, like, that's also super niche, and I understand why the console struggles. Oh, yeah. I'm not sitting here saying that, that like, there are no reasons for it to struggle. Sony saddle it with proprietary memory that was too expensive it was connected to the ps3 and ps4 kind of half measuredly in both of them uh they didn't do a great job of marketing it as soon as they hit a bump in the road they effectively gave up on their vision and allowed indies and and obscure jrpgs to be the thing that kept it alive like we were the ones that kept it going we gave a shit sony didn't and that sucks because the vita was awesome and I wish that they had done more to fix it. I wish that they had tried to put out a point five. I wish that they had tried to to get it right. Um, because I think it was something special. It had the potential, but it just it wasn't quite there. And now the Switch has delivered on its promise and then some. So yep. unfortunate. Honestly, if they released like a a Vita successor that 
didn't have any of its own games and was more of a PS4 accessory with like, oh, you get your PS4 hooked up to the internet and you can stream it to the Vita anywhere or like you can stream it to the handheld anywhere you're on the internet, but we're not putting other games on that. That'd be great. It could still be worth it. And that was yeah. that was part of the original promise of the Vita on PS4. Right. And it just never, yeah. never got there. Uh, honestly... I don't think we'll ever see the likes of a PSP again, but my hope is that Sony's crazy enough uh, to be like Vita 2, let's fucking go. They wouldn't call it the Vita 2 because let's move away from that name. But yeah. uh, I guess I guess my final eulogy here for the, the PlayStation Vita is that Vita meant life, and it it just had the life squeezed out of it. And it's it's a shame. But yeah, that was pretty poetic on your part. It Thanks, was. Man. <laughs> it just kind of hit me. I think that was probably more than the Vita was worth, quite frankly. Oh no! <laughs> oh, God bless you, Vita. Mm-hmm. But moving right along, in happier news, that I think will get um, Sean excited. Excuse me, I almost said Thompson Freudian slip. Uh, Netflix has a Diablo animated series in the works with Hellboy writer and uh, Boom Studios founder Andrew Cosby at the head as a writer and showrunner. Uh, in a since-deleted tweet, Cosby said that he is, quote, in final talks for a new series uh, with, for Activision with Netflix. And he said, quote, it's very exciting and I hope to the high heavens it all works out. Uh, no other deets right now, but BlizzCon right around the corner. Yeah. Seems like the perfect time to announce this partnership, right? Or, may, or maybe yeah. give us a nice announcement trailer. Yeah. So, uh, Sean, being our resident Blizz boy, what, what do you think about this news? Are you excited for this? I've never even played a Diablo game. But, really? Yeah. Wow. But. What kind of Blizz boy are you? The kind <laughs> who plays the most successful games that Blizzard has to offer. And HOTS. Well, HOTS <laughs> happens to be a really good game. And not Overwatch. Not Overwatch. But that's because I just don't care about shooters right now. Um, (laughs) Although I don't have a history with Diablo, I care about the characters because of HOTS, actually. Sure. Because HOTS introduced me to a lot of them. So this is something that I'm actually really excited for. Uh, Believe it or not, this is something that could get me to play the Diablo games, if the series is, is enjoyable. I think yeah. that those characters are really compelling, and I'd love to see that world kind of come to life. So sure. I think Netflix is the perfect platform for that, especially after the success that they had with the the Castlevania uh, series. And I think that's coming back, right? So Yeah, yeah, season two yeah. drops in October. Yeah, so this is something that I think is perfect for Netflix, and I would love to see this partnership grow. And, and I wonder if it works well enough, could this lead to other Blizzard properties being placed on Netflix for series? Oh, almost definitely, right? Like, Yeah, like, I, I gotta imagine that they want to capitalize on, like, Overwatch's huge popularity. Why the fuck wouldn't you? Honestly, that was yeah. my big reaction to this was... No shade like, of Diablo. Overwatch? Why isn't it Overwatch? Because like, Overwatch is the hotness right now. I actually think this is brilliant. This is a very, very safe way to test the waters here. Because Diablo is not hot, but 
Diablo is something that has been hot in the past. Also, yeah. it's a series that people aren't so precious with that they won't be able to tolerate any kind of alterations. You can definitely tell this story through a series, whereas with Overwatch, there's so many questions about, well, how come we don't have a story mode? How come we don't, you know, get the story of Overwatch told? And yeah, the lore is a big deal with Overwatch. Right, people have yeah. big, big expectations. You can do this on a smaller scale if it works, then you can say, all right, well, maybe we'll do Overwatch. Maybe we'll do StarCraft. WarCraft, I don't think they would do. The reason that I feel that way is because, for, for, you know, as much as I would love to see it, I think they're very, very precious with the story of WarCraft. Cha making changes for a, uh, for a series, I think, might rub people the wrong way. The movie did really poorly, unfortunately. Uh, and... I just don't know if that's the right place for Warcraft. I could see them doing it, like you said, but not making changes. Like, just telling the story in, in an animated fashion, because, like, there's so much history to the Warcraft universe. You just, answered, you, know, like, you just answered the question of why it wouldn't work. There's too much history. That's why the movie didn't work. Because there's so much that you have to explain if you don't make changes that people will be lost. And a lot of people don't give mm. a damn about that. Like, the Arthas story is the most compelling piece of story that they've told through Warcraft. But in order to get there, there's all this other stuff you have to do that's way less interesting, and that's why the movie flopped. Because it told, mm. the, it told the least interesting story. Yeah, I, I think that... I don't know, I guess... I. I mean, obviously, you know more than me. I guess my only pushback on that is I feel like with a series, you have more space to tell those stories, you know, yeah. rather than like a, like a two-hour movie. You know, like that was a tall fucking order to tell the story of Warcraft in two hours. Whereas if it's like, a, uh, you know, ten episodes and each of them's a half hour, like maybe that's five what? hours. It's, it's, it's more space. I think what you're saying is salient, but they, they, I don't think it's impossible they told, to get it right. They t I, I, I disagree. They told the story of... A portion of one of the games for, from Warcraft, in a uh -huh. way that was truncated in the movie, that was all. That wasn't the story of Warcraft. That was the story yeah, of a piece of one of the games. Yeah, sorry, I misspoke. Um, but that worked for you, right? You liked that movie. I like the movie, but that it, it's not a you know, it's not a classic or anything. And I understand sure. the critiques. I just like it despite that. Okay. Okay. It's interesting though. I I think I think this this is a really cool what seems to be like a developing trend at Netflix, the idea of let's take a classic but like not super relevant video game IP and get uh, a comic book writer to write the scripts and show run the show. Love it. And it yeah. nailed nailed it with Castlevania. So I'm here and like I don't give a shit about Diablo either and like no shade at Diablo, but in the same way that I don't have an attachment to Castlevania, I don't have an attachment to Diablo. So I'm willing to show up just to see how it is quality wise and if it's as good as I thought Castlevania was, then yeah, I'll, I'll definitely yeah, tune Yeah, Castlevania in. was fucking solid. It was a great show. Yeah, my one complaint was it should have been longer. Was this was excellent. I would like more, please. Yep. <laughs> so hopefully they give them a bit of a longer episode count for Diablo. I'd love to see them get like six, eight, you know, something with a little bit a little bit more meat. How many was Castlevania? Yeah. Only four. It was like four. Yeah. I think the second season's like eight. Yes. The the second season is twice as long, which is good. It should be. Because yeah. season one, they did a lot with very little time. 
Season one was a decent movie. Yeah. Great setup. So uh, keep your eyes peeled for that one. When we get the confirmation about it, we'll certainly talk about it again. Um, and, you know, expect a review here sometime, I'm sure. So uh, our final, final news story is unfortunately a great lead into our main topic. Uh, Capcom has announced the shutdown of Capcom Vancouver. So after laying off about 30% of the studio earlier this year and canceling an unannounced game um, that was like a third-person action game that took place in like New York City, uh, Capcom has finally axed the team behind the Dead Rising franchise last week. So Capcom has disclosed that uh, they, they have said that the termination of all of the stuff that they were working on is going to cu- cost them uh, upwards of $40 million in losses, uh, quote, under cost of sales for the six months of the fiscal year ending in March 31st, 2019. So obviously this is a big ding to their portfolio. They had a lot of projects that they were expecting to get returns on that they've invested money in that they will not now not be. Um, and they've said all ongoing projects are canceled there while they refocus their efforts on their Japanese studios, which have been really performing well as of late. Uh, and then I have a little quote here from Shabana Arif's article over at IGN uh, where she explains – kind of how that worked and what the context of that situation is. So thanks to the resounding success Capcom has had with the launch of Monster Hunter World on console and PC, the forecast for the company as a whole remains in line with its projected financial results shared back in May. Regarding Capcom's full-year business forecast due to factors including the continued robust performance of the PC version of Monster Hunter World exceeding the company's expectations since its release on the Steam platform in August, following the blockbuster performance of the title after its initial release in January of this year, the forecast for Capcom's consolidation business results remains the same as what was projected at the financial results announcement on May 8, 2018 that read the press release. Jesus, that was a mouthful. <laughs> yeah. But you need, do you need a second? Get, get some water? Take a breath? I'm good. <laughs> so this is obviously really sad news. We hate having to talk about studio closures. Uh, <coughs> you know, I think we've talked about how Capcom has been on a pretty positive trajectory lately aside from getting their fighting game uh, house in order and this kind of just seems like another step in that direction. You know, uh, if you know anything about the Dead Rising franchise, it's never really been super successful. Like, the the first one was big, the, the second one was a hit, but the third one that was an Xbox One launch title released to kind of lukewarm reviews. It didn't sell super well. When it went multi-plat, it didn't light the world on fire. Uh, so... I think Dead Rising is one of those those franchises that, you know, whether it's zombie fatigue, whether it's that it just it's it's not a franchise that had as much resonance as they thought, uh, it kind of seems like the writing was on the wall for this. And they they tried downscaling, they put them on a mobile game that also like shuttered within a month or two after they put it out. So they've just been on like lukewarm or flop, you know, for a while now. Yeah. And it's kinda how it goes, you know? Like it's a shame because, like, the first Dead Rising was, like, that was a moment, you know? Yeah. Like, I remember the, the like, that, I don't know if it was a Game Informer cover or whatever, but that image of him with the shopping cart and, like, the Mega Man little guy yeah. in the thing and just mowing yeah. mother. Like, that was such a, it was such a moment. And it came at, like, the right time, you know? Like, right when the zombie thing was kind of popping off and Dead Rising was one of those games. And it was different, you know? It wasn't heavy, like Walking Dead and, and you know, like... Yeah. All those fun. other hangers-on, they're serious, they're grim. This was fun, it was funny, it was light, it was, like, silly. That that time limit mechanic was, like, I think pretty well implemented. Yeah, yeah, and, like, the weapon development was, like, crafting sucks in video games, but when it's, like, put a 
thing together and make an insane weapon you can then immediately yeah. use to mow fuckers down in a in a you know strap a like, chainsaw to a weed whacker. That shit was awesome. <laughs> you know, it was cool. It was a really cool game. Um, but that being said, I uh, I didn't pick up three, you know, and I and I, I wouldn't necessarily be excited for a four. So it's unfortunate. It's really sad, but I you know I think it was bound to happen eventually. And, and at the end of the day, uh, it's sad to see all these people lose their jobs. But I I do remember hearing that almost the entire studio was able to relocate to um, who is it? Who has one in the one of these Montreal studios? It, I think it might or not uh, Montreal, Vancouver. I think it's. EA or Ubisoft, one of the other big publishers has a Vancouver studio there, and a ton of these people got hired, like, right away. Oh, that's great. So, yeah, great to hear that a lot of these people have landed on their feet. Um, In terms of what this means for the Dead Rising franchise and all that stuff, they said that the next Dead Rising game will be, like, quote, scaled back in its scope. Um, So... You know, I think, if you're a Dead Rising fan, this is obviously sad news. It's sad news for the people who are without a job. Uh, But... You know, I think I think th- this makes sense for Capcom at the end of the day. It, it seems like a smart move for them to refocus their efforts on their Japanese development because that's their bread and butter. And it's been doing really well for them in recent years. And I think they've been uh, kind of consolidating their efforts on those studios and really focusing on the IP that seem to have resonance with people like Mega Man, like Monster Hunter, uh, Resident Evil, right? So yeah, this sucks, but I think, I think it might end up leading leading to uh more positivity for capcom in the future and at the end of the day that's what they got to do and it sucks that video games work this way sometimes but you know i think sometimes that's just the way it goes so best wishes to everybody uh from capcom vancouver thank you for dead rising thank you for all the hard work you did and uh best of luck to you moving forward all right, so the last story we're going to talk about today is uh going to serve as the conversation jump off for our main topic which is the really surprising story around uh, the shutdown of One Telltale Games, uh, a studio that you're probably familiar with for their work on The Walking Dead. Uh, they are also responsible for The Wolf Among Us, Tales from the Borderlands, uh, Batman, There's, you know, plenty, plenty of, of Telltale games. We've talked about them a lot on this show in the past. Uh, they were a, uh, a developer that uh, both Andy and I uh, enjoyed their work for, for many, many years uh, before we started getting a little critical of some of their practices, which seemed to have ultimately finally caught up with them. Uh, so this, this story was insane. It yeah. broke over the course of several hours and, and days even, uh, and I, I was really surprised. Um, so I'm going to tell you the story in chronological order so that if you haven't heard it, you can walk through all of it with us. Um, but essentially the story breaks a couple days ago. We get the announcement that Telltale Games, uh, well, I'm going to be pulling from uh, a Gama Sutra article that I'll link to down below as well as several tweets from, from relevant people. So there's a lot of sources on this one. Follow along if you want to. Uh, but here was the original story from Gama Sutra and then we'll walk, we'll take a walk from there. Telltale Games, the studio behind uh, games like The Walking Dead and Wolf Among Us, appears to be closing its doors, according to social media posts from multiple developers previously employed at the company. Gamasutra has reached out to Telltale Games for more details on the situation, but posts from developers on Twitter and Facebook, both private and public, seem to indicate that the studio is shutting down or experiencing large-scale layoffs. The story will be updated following the studio's reply. Right? So that, that was the original story. Um, we had originally seen Telltale shutting down. The first update comes shortly thereafter, right? 
Okay, while Telltale Games representatives have not yet responded to our request for comment and further details, word is spreading that the studio maintains only a skeleton crew of 25 people out of what was an estimated staff of over 250 people to complete work on a single project. The rest were let go this week, reportedly without any severance, and it sounds as though all of the company's other ongoing projects are in jeopardy or have been canceled outright, including The Wolf Among Us 2. Right? So then uh, that, that news led a lot of people to uh, incorrectly uh, speculate that the final season of The Walking Dead would be that project that the skeleton crew was was staying on uh, to, to work on, right? I saw that from, um, uh, what is his name? Um, Hiran, here, who's a, uh, a member of uh, US, um, he's Hiran Cryer on uh, Twitter. He's a member of US Gamer. He's worked for The Guardian and Kotaku and Pace Magazine. He broke the story there. Um, but then we eventually got the update that the final season of The Walking Dead is canceled after episode two, which releases this week. Uh, and that their 25 skeleton crew is sticking around to complete the Netflix version of Telltale's Minecraft story mode, which we talked about a while back. So if you're a gamer like me who pre-ordered the season, the final season of The Walking Dead, uh, you're currently left in limbo and we have no idea what's going on. Um... While, you know, all these other things have been canceled. Uh, but we know that halfway through this season of The Walking Dead, which would have been a pretty perfect way for Telltale to go out, right? The conclusion of their most storied uh, franchise, their most successful IP. And we're walking away with it unfinished. And with the people who spent years of their lives um, walking away with no severance pay. And uh, not getting to finish their project. But uh, we saw Matt Kim, who's the news editor over at US Gamer, chime in, and he said this jives with Telltale's statement of their uh, their you know. So actually, I'm sorry, I didn't get to that statement yet. Let me let me read their statement, and then we can fill in the blanks here. Uh, sorry, I'm jumping all over the place, but like I said, the story broke in a, mi- a million lot, places yeah. cr- very crazily. Uh, so Telltale then made made their response, which didn't even tell us all of the fucking information. But Telltale said, for immediate release, today Telltale Games made the difficult decision to begin a majority studio closure following a year marked by unsurmountable challenges. A majority of the company's employees were dismissed earlier this morning with a small group of 25 employees staying on to fulfill the company's obligations to its board and partners. CEO Pete Hawley issued the following statement, quote, it's been an incredibly difficult year for Telltale as we worked to set the company on a new course. Unfortunately, we ran out of time to get there. We released some of our best content this year and and received a tremendous amount of positive feedback, but ultimately that did not translate to sales. With a heavy heart, we watch our friends leave today to spread our brand of storytelling across the games industry. Telltale will issue further comments regarding its product portfolio in the coming weeks. Fun fact, they haven't. We're left to fill in these gaps based on what former employees have said. And uh, like I said, Matt Kim over at US Gamer pointed out this jives with their statement to, quote, fulfill the company's obligations to its board and partners. Presumably one of those partners was Netflix. I would think that you're probably right on that one, Matt. Uh, So then we also got, again, just kind of little other trickling in here, right, Um, from some of the other people that have worked at the studio. Here, I I chose to highlight one from one Emily Grace Buck, who was uh, a Telltale worker, and she tweeted a a string of tweets talking about this and uh, asking for fans to um, stop harassing 
former Telltale devs for answers about this when it was Telltale proper that did this. So I wanted to let, you know, Emily speak for herself here because I think what she says is important. She says, please stop asking me about future Telltale releases. I don't work for Telltale anymore. They terminated me yesterday. Same goes for anyone else terminated yesterday. We no longer work there. Uh, and then uh, I'm just going to read her string of tweets as if it were, you know, one one piece of, of content. Then she says, quote, the company will finish it, unquote. With who? Quote, the company, unquote, doesn't make games. The people who worked for Telltale made games. Devs aren't interchangeable cogs. The game reflects the people who make it. The Walking Dead, the final season team is gone. We all got terminated yesterday. And to the and to the few of you who've told me, quote, the devs should finish it out of the goodness of their hearts because the fans deserve it, unquote, no. Very no. They underpaid and overworked us to give you what you already have. We aren't going to make it for free after they fired us? Um, the Walking Dead, the final, se- the final season, episode two, is still meant to drop on Tuesday. I'm in a weird place as lead episode designer because I want you to play it. The team did awesome work, pushed boundaries, and I want you to see it. Send us off on a high note, but I'm not going to tell you to buy it. I sincerely hope that Telltale steps up, takes responsibility, and issues a statement about The Walking Dead, the final season, soon, instead of leaving its recently terminated former employees to deal with fan questions and backlash. This isn't fair. That all seems reasonable. Yeah, I would say so. Um, So... Like I said, uh, there, there's there's other stuff here. We had Telltale co-founder and former CEO Kevin Bruner, who had been ousted from the company uh, last year in favor of Pete, who we, we, we heard from earlier. Uh, and he, he had this to say. Um, he's actually currently suing Telltale. Forgot to mention that part Whoa. over his oh. expulsion. Uh, and he said, today I'm saddened. I'm mostly saddened for the people who are losing their jobs at a studio they love. And I'm also saddened at the loss of a studio that greenlit crazy ideas that no one else would consider. I'm comforted a bit knowing that there are now so many new talented people in studios creating games in the evolving narrative genre. Uh, and then he... Uh, there, uh, there, there was a, a comment here from Gama Sutra about Bruner, who kind of painted him in not as so great light, um, which I wanted to just point out. They said, while Bruner's words on the shutdown were nostalgic, a report from March of this year cited anonymous Telltale sources who said he was an abrasive credit hoarder, an accusation that he has denied. So, you know, it's not to say that he's the good guy and Pete's the bad guy, right? There are no, there are rarely so clear good guys and bad guys. Um... So then uh, the last thing that here is we had a, uh, a statement from Netflix who, <laughs> who Gama Sutra <laughs> categorized as being less coy about the situation at Telltale. Uh, so they, they said, we are saddened by the closing of Telltale Games. They developed many great games in the past and left an indelible mark on the industry. Minecraft Story Mode is still moving forward as planned. We are in the process of evaluating other options for bringing the Stranger Things universe to life in an interactive medium. So if you were looking forward to that Stranger Things game, we might see it somewhere else. Yeah, it's uh, it's just going over to, is it Don't Nod who made Life is Strange? I would love that, please. Don't <laughs> Nod would be a perfect choice. Don't Nod just sucks up all of Telltale's licensed games portfolio. Or shit, it could be uh, Deck Nine, the people that did the prequel. They did a great job, and their whole thing is they're the new face in interactive storytelling, and they did a great job with that IP. I'd trust them with Stranger Things. Yeah. So, who's to say where this stuff is going? But, obviously, this is a big story. There is a lot to unpack here. Uh, You know, I think it goes without saying that uh, we have 
an incredible amount of sympathy for the people who are affected by this, the developers who, you know, worked overtime and, and you know, gave their blood, sweat, and tears to give us the games that we appreciated. Uh, mm-hmm. That's obviously the headline here is it is tragic that these people are losing their jobs and are being left without severance and are now just, you know, forced to find something else because Telltale was not honest with them or or push them until the, the 12th, 11th hour, uh, hoping that they would be able to salvage the company based on The Walking Dead's final season alone. Uh, that, to me, is obviously super unacceptable. It's, it's horrible to see these people in this situation. But about the story itself, about the closure of Telltale, there's a lot to talk about here. And Andy, uh, as the, the biggest Telltale fan on the show besides myself, I, I'd like you to start. So I'm not shocked by this, uh, Telltale seemed horribly mismanaged for a really long time, and like the uh, this stuff coming out about how nothing between the first season of The Walking Dead and Minecraft Story Mode turned a profit is like really not that surprising. Yeah, and I I my heart goes out to everyone that worked at Telltale and put their heart and soul into these games, but like Telltale management, man, what the fuck were you doing? Yeah, man. Uh, I I I took to Facebook and and posted a little thing about it, and I, I echoed a lot of those sentiments. This is upsetting, but not surprising. Telltale was a studio that came out of nowhere, popped off, and then tried to capitalize on that success without innovating, without growing. You know, they hired yeah. more people, they switched management hands, but like their engine has been the same since before The Walking Dead, which is a game that came out in two thousand twelve or thirteen. I think so. Like, that's unacceptable. They had fucking five to six years of that success to sit and think about how do what what should the new engine be? How do we innovate on our on our formula? How do we do something new rather than just take on more projects, take on more IP responsibility, and just keep farting things out? You know, I think that I don't know. I think the existence of Life is Strange makes them look worse. It does because like. Life is Strange is the dev that came out of nowhere, took Telltale's formula, and improved and innovated on it. And Telltale was content. And gave us a new IP. Yep. And Telltale was content to just have other people farm out their IP. And, like, I'm not saying they didn't, like, make interesting good games or tell good stories. But, like, they never worked on their own shit. They never improved on their platform or, like, their storytelling ideas and structure where it was... You know, all roads led to the same point. Yep, and that—that's the problem, man. It's like, and like, yeah, there, there are little bits, and like, you know, Walking Dead season two ended in a way that was the most divergent of any path they had done before. But it wasn't enough. It, it, it was never enough. And like, and I, I love some of Telltale's games. I love The Walking Dead. Uh, from what I've played of it, I, I didn't finish season three. I haven't played season four yet, even though I bought it. Uh, and will not get those last two episodes, which is frustrating. Uh, Wolf Among Us was great, you know. Like, like yep. there, there, are, there are tons of great Telltale games. We don't need to sit and list them, but they're all the same in terms of execution, in terms of uh, engine, in terms of tech, and that's not acceptable. It's not acceptable that the last game in the Walking Dead franchise is built on the same tech as the first one. Absolutely, this is the fourth game in the franchise. It's, it's, you know. Just how do you not, like, try to innovate on your tech? 
how do you sit on your laurels for that long when nothing's making money? Especially when their claim to fame with the Batman franchise was like, oh, well, for the first time, we've made it so that Batman's cape moves independently of his body and can get caught in the wind. It's like, okay. That's cool. And that would have been yeah. cool in 2008. I don't know. Like, not even. Like, Arkham had done it by, you know, it's like, I get it. I get that these were smaller games. They're story-driven. You wanted them to be portable everywhere. But, like, man, there are a lot of other engines you could have tried to do that with you could have built a new engine like they were certainly not hurting for money after walking dead one you know yep that money should have been reinvested in the studio not just hiring more people to create more teams to work on the same busted engine and and it sucks it sucks it's 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 really a shame that bad management has made it that this studio that had unlimited potential uh, to to churn out the best licensed games that we had seen thus far in some cases, like it's a fucking shame. Sean, what yeah, are your takes it on this? Really is. Uh, I mean, it's you know it's obviously sad for the people who were who work there, and uh, it's unfortunate that they are out of a job. Uh, it sounds like there are other opportunities for them, and of course, you know they're talented people, so they'll land on their feet. You, you know, you hope. Um, and uh, that's the best thing that can come of it is just that that they that those individuals are able to find work elsewhere. Um, but of course, you know, I I come down it on on it from the perspective of this is what happens in business. You know, you 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 try to succeed in whatever whatever trade it is that you that you apply, and sometimes you win and sometimes you lose for whatever those reasons are, and it sounds like they lost. And that's just how it, that's how it goes. Um, as far as what they should have done, I don't have an opinion on that because I wasn't there and I don't know. Um, I don't know why they didn't invest money into technology. Maybe they didn't have the money. Maybe, maybe um, they didn't think it was necessary. It's too hard to say. Um, but it definitely sounds like they were impacted by a market that, they, that, that wasn't there for what they were doing. For whatever the reasons are. Uh, the fact that they made so many games that were unprofitable, uh, I mean, I can't imagine that they did that under the assumption that those games wouldn't be profitable. Of course, they thought they were going to make money, and they just didn't, you know? Um, it's tough to make games in 2018. It just is. Yeah. Well, yeah. and I, I think what you said, Sean, is a salient point. Too. Like, they didn't do themselves any favors that they released so many games so quickly. Like, you know, like, in the last... What? So since Walking Dead, say Walking Dead came out in 2012 for the sake of argument. In six years, there was Walking Dead, Wolf Among Us, Walking Dead Season 2, Tales from the Borderlands, Minecraft Story Mode Season 1 and 2. Um, there was Batman Season 1 and 2. There was The Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, I want to say that's it, but that's eight fucking games. That's that's so many. That's more than one a year. Yep. I think I think people got burnt out. You know, yeah, can you like I did. No, <laughs> it doesn't sound like people got burnt out because it doesn't sound like people were buying these games to begin with. That's fair. I mean, like the thing of like Walking Dead was profitable, right? Uh, and that was a huge moment. Like Wolf Among Us was a critical darling, you know. And then it was like, oh, okay, let's just pump shit out because the space between Walking Dead and Wolf Among Us was a lot. And then it was all of a sudden they were putting out just stuff 
Oh, and Game of Thrones. That was another one. That's ten. Yep. Um, and they they spent so much money on fucking voice actors for these games. Yep. Like like Game of Thrones had several members of the television show cast, which was really cool. But like that game wasn't good. And it was, I'm sure, and, very expensive. Uh, I'm sure very expensive to make. Uh, Tales from the Borderlands was a game that I loved, um, but it was always going to be like a niche kind of game because it's like the the Telltale audience and the Borderlands audience. You got to assume are just comprised of different people. And how many people, like, you know, it's like, I'm just saying, like, nothing against Borderlands, but Borderlands isn't Mario. Right. You know, like, how many copies does Borderlands sell? Cut that in by a tenth, and that's probably what Tails sold. And then they put fucking Nolan North and Laura Bailey and Chris Hardwick were the three main characters in that game. And it's like, how much money are you paying these people? Uh, A lot, you know, I would imagine. Uh, Nolan North and Cat Bailey are the two biggest names in voice acting, you know? Yep. And Chris Hardwick's, you know, obviously he's had a, a dip in his stock in recent times, but... But, like, in 2015. That, that was at his height, you know? So it's like, he probably wasn't a cheap get either. Yep. Uh, and yeah, and it just seems like a total mismanagement of their teams, of their money, of their you know, resources, like, where they should have been directed, and, like, yeah, it's, like, it's it's nuts. It's nuts just how this just seems like such a story of mismanagement, of, of limitless potential and terrible execution. Yeah. Because even Wolf Among Us, Critical Darling, that was one you shouldn't have expected to do numbers. The fucking Fables is, like, Fables is a is a huge comic book in terms of that it's been able to last as long as it did, but, like, it, you know, before Wolf Among Us, if you weren't a die-hard comics fan, have you heard of Fables? Probably not. Yeah. And, like, uh, Wolf Among Us also didn't, like, have any favors done to it by their terrible episodic release schedule. It was, like, six months between episodes one and two of that game. And they delayed yep. uh, episode six for a ton. Like, that game came out over the course of, like, two years, where every yep. other Telltale game was, like, one, two. You know, it's, like... Just all over the map, man. Yeah, it's... I don't know. I... am not in the least shocked. I I think the funniest thing about what Sean said is that it's hard to speculate and say what went wrong because there are literally countless things you could point to as the reason things went wrong. so many things, yeah. And and it's like... I don't, I don't mean to just, like, play armchair quarterback and be like, if you had done this, 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 and this, everything would have been fine. That's not what I'm saying. But it's right. the thing of there are so many objective, at least in my mind, what are objective mistakes that they were just, like, barrel forward, you know? It's like, oh, God. It's, it's heartbreaking. It doesn't sound yeah. like people were really that into their games, to be honest. I, I I think you're right. Like I think that the perception of Telltale as a juggernaut was well uh, well overblown because I didn't even realize that they had such an issue with profitability. Yeah, you no. Know? I mean, they came out. I think what it was is that that first season of Walking Dead was great and was out of the blue, and it won like uh, Game of the Year at uh, the Game Awards. Hmm. And, like, everyone was like, oh, shit, fucking Telltale. Yeah. And, and that game, you know, probably made enough money to fund the next however many, because they, they these games couldn't have cost much to make. Yeah. 
I I'll pour one out, but um, I wish that they had managed their properties better. I really wanted a season two of Wolf Among Us. I was excited for that. I was too. I was really excited to get a conclusion yeah. to Clementine's storyline on The Walking Dead. I was really excited for the announcement that they were making a new fucking engine. You right? know, I was I was I, really excited for the future of Telltale. And like, I never played it, but I know you were real into their Batman. Yeah, it was good. I never I never got around to the second season, but the first season was really creative. Like, I talked about it on uh, the Comics Pals yesterday, and I liked it because it did its own thing. Like, it told a new, unique story in, in a new Batman universe, and how often do you get that? You know, yeah. like, it was fresh. It was a really good, fresh take, and they did a good job of having you play as Bruce Wayne and, and like, being like, do you want to be Batman or do you want to be Bruce Wayne? And how is that going to affect the way you play? And it was smart. It was It was good. And it's a shame. It's a shame that we're not going to get more of that. It's a shame we're not going to get conclusions to the other good things that they set up because they wasted so much time and money and resources on shit that never really had a chance or was just a, a bad idea. Like, as, as hot as Game of Thrones is, I don't think it made sense to make a Game of Thrones Telltale game. Nope. Because it was, uh, like, Game of Thrones makes sense and is popular because of, like, its characters. And you can't have a meaningful interaction with those characters in a way that HBO or George R. R. Martin's ever going to let you have. Right. I think that's that's a pretty harsh thing to say. I don't I don't think that it's out of the realm of possibility that a game like that could succeed, because I oh, lesser uh, lesser studios have taken on properties that don't make sense and they make <laughs> money because the property's what it is. And uh, I I mean. You know, the it doesn't sound like the Batman games did tremendous, but you guys seem to like it. But that doesn't mean that, like, was it a bad idea to do it just because it didn't do well? No, it just didn't do well. No. And I think well, it's really easy to be so critical on this end of the spectrum. But I think the bigger question that's just not being talked about is the reality of whether or not people are actually interested in this, in this idea. And it doesn't sound like they are. It doesn't sound like they weren't. It sounds like that's what, like, if if the if game if uh, Walking Dead, Wolf Among Us, and then whatever the next thing they made was, were all really big successes financially, we'd be having a very different conversation. And it doesn't matter whether the games were good or not. Well, that's the thing is, I think it does because I think like what you said about in terms of the interest, like I don't think it was that people weren't interested in Telltale's style of game. I think it was that their the games were not. Their, their story was great. They weren't well made, though. They were janky. They ate saves. Like, there was a lot of problems with them. And I think, like, to Andy's point, other people have come along and shown how to do that kind of game better. Don't Nod did a better job. Deck Nine's done a better job. Quantic Dream, even. It's a little different, but, like, they make these this kind of talky, choosy game. You know, choose your own adventure story in a video game. And, and they're good. Until Dawn with Supermassive Games and, and that anthology they're working on. I think a lot of other people just proved they did it better but you, than But Telltale. you guys just said that Wolf Among Us was a great game. It was a great game. And I'm not saying that all Telltale's games are bad. I'm saying that the ones that weren't good... They felt half baked. Yeah, but you're dancing like, around my point. My point is that it sounds like they made two games to start that were really oh, big. That hits, people cared about, right? Yes. In terms of critically, Wolf Among Us didn't do so well commercially, right? Yes. Okay. 
you can't release games that don't do well commercially. We have seen and talk about what happens when that happens on this show all of the time. It sounds like the only reason they were able to endure that is because these games are made on a scale that's smaller than AAA titles. But when that happens... And the influx of money they saw with Walking Dead 1. Right. Like, that was extremely profitable. Right. But when that happens to you, how does that affect what you're capable of doing on the back end? I don't think that anybody at Telltale wanted their games to have bugs and have problems, but it sounds like they really needed to try to put games out to make money because they wanted to stay afloat. Maybe they didn't have the money to to upgrade their technology. I'm presenting that point of the argument because I don't I feel like the whole conversation is just built around how shitty they were and we have no idea what was going on over there. And I think it's 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 required to be fair to present both sides of the conversation. Well, and, and I, I think I think what you're saying is true. I think it's just like that I don't know that, that the argue of them not having the resources like holds weight when you're talking about like Walking Dead was super successful, right? Instead of making three more games right away and scaling up and hiring a ton more people, they could have kept their team small. They could have worked on one more game. They could have worked on their tech. They, they, there were other paths forward other than let's do as much as possible right well, away. When you, when you broke this down, you said that they made Walking Dead and then there was a beat and then they made Wolf Among Us, right? Yeah. Okay, so yeah. then they made their next game and it didn't do well financially. So how does that affect this studio? It definitely does, and you're right. Um, but I think like with Wolf Among Us, there's a lot working against it. Whereas, like, with Game of Thrones, I think had they taken a different tact, there's there's more resonance with that IP. And, like, I don't, I don't think that it was a good idea, per se, but I think, like, Wolf Among Us had a lot going against it. Like, if you, if you didn't look at Wolf Among Us and go, I liked Walking Dead, so I'm going to get Wolf Among Us, right? Like, if you were sold on the idea of Walking Dead because of the IP... Uh, you're not necessarily going to pick up Wolf Among Us. You're not necessarily going to pick up that next game, you know? Like, if you only care about Walking Dead and you're like, I don't give a fuck about any of these other franchises, being a Telltale fan isn't enough. That's, you know? that's exactly the point that I'm making, is that yeah, yeah, just because they got a hit with this franchise that was massive across the entire world, everywhere The Walking Dead is, is being published in any format, it's successful. Yeah. That doesn't mean... That they had the sauce. It just means yeah. that there was a... there. I mean, they obviously were capable of making good games, but it also means they had a franchise that people cared about. And it worked and in that format. The same people who love watching Game of Thrones don't necessarily care about a video game. But you don't know that until you make it. Yeah. Um, but, but I think the point that Andy and I made about, about Game of Thrones specifically is I think... It wasn't a good IP match for them because it was this thing of you have to tell this story with these characters. But then again, I guess you could have went somewhere else. You could have told it somewhere outside of Westeros in that universe. But like, would people have cared about that? Like, Walking Dead had it easy in that the Walking Dead universe is attractive. You know, that you can tell a story in the Walking Dead universe that has nothing to do with Rick or or any of the survivors we know, and it was still able to be compelling. Whereas, I don't know that that's as easy in Game of Thrones, you know? And I, I don't know that there's the desire for that with IPs like Fables or uh, Borderlands or Minecraft even. Minecraft is huge, but does anybody give yeah. a shit about a story told in the world of Minecraft? No, not fucking really. And that was another one where they hired celebrities. To do- Patton Oswalt was the voice. You think that was fucking cheap for two seasons? I don't think so. Yeah, but that game made money. And that game was pretty good. Yeah, so, so there you go. It's the thing of 
That's the thing, right? You're, to your point, Sean, how do you know until you try? You fucking don't. And I think they took a lot of gambles, some of which paid off, some of which very much didn't. But the ones that didn't, I think, were lesser games. Game of Thrones wasn't very good. Telltale's uh, Guardians of the Galaxy was not very good because it was the same problem. of It didn't feel unique. Like, Walking Dead was special because it was new. Wolf Among Us was special because it was new. Uh, Game of Thrones tried to tell a story that existed in the margins of, of Game of Thrones, the TV show. And the same thing was true of tel- of the Guardians of the Galaxy. It was James Gunn's Guardians of the Galaxy. Telltale's James Gunn's Guardians of the Galaxy. Not, what are we going to do with the Guardians? I w- it felt like they were aping that. I want to play that game. I mean, I didn't because I don't care. But, I like, that's the thing. that sounds cool. <laughs> on, that's that- On paper. But, but, that, just, but was- that's my point, is that. Yeah, you don't know. Yeah, like, you would, you would think. Why wouldn't you make a tie-in to the movies? They're super successful. Let's make a Guardians game. Ah, oh, man, it didn't do so great. Hey, Arkham, the Arkham series does really well. Batman's a hot character. Let's make a Batman game. People want to see that, right? Yeah. Turns out they don't. You know, like, who knows? But Batman, again, Batman Season 1 was successful enough to warrant a Season 2, so it made some money. It wasn't a flop. It wasn't a hit. But it, it worked, and I think it worked because it was new, it was fresh, and it was unique, and it was what I think Telltale does well, which is getting inside someone else's universe and telling a new story, and it, not trying to be let me let's give you, a, you know, a spinoff. And it still wasn't a big hit. Not enough. And I think by that point, Telltale had burned their bridges. I think like people just didn't care about them anymore, and there wasn't that fanfare for Telltale and the where there was a- around Walking Dead or the way that there was around Wolf Among Us because I think people were fucking burnt out. Yeah. But again, even with Wolf Among Us, wasn't a hit financially speaking. No, but I'm just I'm trying I'm making the point that in the gaming yeah. in the gaming industry, you cannot have fails. You it, it, critical no. acclaim does not matter if your game does not sell. You're right, and the point I'm making, I guess, about Wolf Among Us is not to disagree with you, it's to point out the disparity between those two things. Wolf Among Us was not a financial success, but it was a critical critical success, and every single time an episode came out, it was an event. There was, it was on the front page of IGN, everybody was talking about it, it was a big fucking deal, even if it wasn't selling really well, because the, like, the quote-unquote industry cared about it. We paid attention to it. Whereas with Batman, like... It, if you go and look at the reviews for it, they're positive, but it wasn't a thing people were talking about. It wasn't on the front page of everything. It wasn't a moment. Wolf Among Us was because people gave a shit about Telltale then. They were like, oh, remember that Walking Dead game? This is their new hotness and it's it's great. It's an amazing game and it's it's tight. And even if you didn't play it, you heard about it and you knew it was good. Whereas with the other games, I think the, the pro Telltale committee is the, the the groundswell of support behind them was just gone at that point, you know? Well, and maybe if those people bought the game, Wolf Among Us, instead of just talking about how good it was, we'd be having a different conversation right now. Well, that's the thing. I think a lot of people probably read those reviews and were like, that's cool, I'll get the next one. I don't care about fables, you know? Yeah. And it, also, yeah. like, I, I think calling it the Wolf Among Us, while, like, a cool, evocative title for what they were going for, didn't do it any favors... Because fucking an 80s film noir set in New York where you're the big bad wolf, you you don't need the connection to the comics to have that be a cool pitch. Yeah. 
I think even if you did, they could have called it Fables, the Wolf of... You know, like... Yeah. There were so... Like, they didn't do that game any fucking favors. Because it was great, but it was not a super relevant IP. They didn't market it super well. And they spaced out the episodes so fucking far apart. And I think by the end of that, a lot of people had lost faith in Telltale's ability to deliver. Like, things on time and in a timely fashion in a way that was complete and not broken. Um, and it's, it's a shame. It's a fucking shame, man. But yeah, I think I think the points you're raising are definitely salient, Sean. And I, I think the answer is that there's no one easy answer for why Telltale failed. But I think there are a lot of easy things you can point to as could have been this, could have been that, could have been this, could have been that. And it all adds up to a this studio was fucking mismanaged. And I think that's not up for debate. I agree um, and it, it's 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 a shame because the the talent there, some of the best in the biz, I think. There are some great people working there. And my one hope is that at the end of this, they fucking find that work. Wasn't there a you silver know? lining here? There is a silver lining here. Uh, so as the games industry often does uh, when something like this happens, you've seen developers coming out in droves to try and support the Telltale people who have been misplaced, which is, as we talked about at the top, upwards of 200 fucking people. Uh, and granted, that's across all things, right? That's not just a development team. That's probably marketing, sales, all those people. Uh, but as the game industry does, they've come out. There is a, currently a trending hashtag, hashtag Telltale Jobs. Uh, if you are somehow a member of Telltale who's listening to us uh, right now and you don't know about this, I find that hard to believe, but it's out there for you. Also, if you're, if, you're a, if you're a member of Telltale that's listening, a former member of Telltale Games that's listening to us and you want to come on the show and talk with us, like, I would cool. love that. Yeah, please. I would love to get your two cents. Um, and I hope you don't think that we're shitting on you because I have nothing but respect for what you did. I'm upset with the, how management treated you. Uh, I, any, even if you're not someone in the industry, if you're somebody, you know, that even if you just have your own small Twitter following and you can help broadcast this signal, I'd ask you to do so. Uh, so specifically, I wanted to call out Ubisoft's uh, San Francisco. They're the team that is behind. Uh, they made Rocksmith, that guitar game back in the day. They did uh, South Park Fractured But Whole. Um, so they they have announced they're looking. You know, they've got a ton of. Uh, they've they've got like a, a open house that they're doing for new talent, and they invited everybody from Telltale to come. Did Pete just like die for you too, Sean? Yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. Um, it it okay. window crashed for me, but it let me reload and jump back in. Um, so they're ho- holding an open house for new Telltale for Telltale employees, and you know, obviously other people in the industry. But uh, and, and there's countless like this. Like I said, go check out the hashtag Telltale Jobs. You've seen people all over the map uh, sharing this and and like letting people know that um, that that they need. You know, or that that if they need a job, there's somewhere to go. You know, there there is there is somewhere that you can go out and uh, and and try, try to get try to get that new that new gig. So all we can hope is that you know the incredibly talented people that brought us games like The Walking Dead and The Wolf Among Us and Tales from the Borderlands and Batman uh, that they land on their feet, that they that they find a home somewhere else, and that they're able to bring their unique brand of storytelling somewhere new. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a couple of these people start a new indie studio. That would be, I would be all about that. I will support them day fucking one. Um, yeah. Hopefully, but again, you know, 
there's Don't Nod, there's Deck Nine, there's Supermassive, there's you know, there's other studios doing this kind of game now, and I think a lot of that is because Telltale really paved the way and showed that there was money in this, that there was money in doing the choose your own adventure point and click, uh, and you know, God bless them for that because I love that kind of game and I love the games that they've made. So it's sad to see them go. I'm so sad to see these people uh, be displaced, but at the end of the day. Um, my hope is that they find a better home for their talent because as great as the games Telltale made were, it doesn't seem like it was the best place to work. So hopefully these people can find something new and uh, and, and get back to work soon because uh, I want to see what's next from you guys. Yeah, I second everything you just said there. I third it. Cool, huh? I'll take it. So, if you guys want to let us know what you're thinking about the Telltale closure, any of the other stories we talked about this week, you can let us know in the comments down below. Hit us up at thevideogamepals at gmail.com. Hear your thoughts right on the air. Or uh, follow at the Comics Pals wherever your social media is sold and keep up with all the cool stuff we're doing here at the Pals Network. Um... Oh, right, and then I got to pimp the new YouTube channel. Uh, if you are a YouTube listener, or even if you're not, please go check out the brand newly minted Video Game Pals YouTube channel. Uh, we're going to be posting stuff Monday through Thursday there for Let's Plays. Fridays will be our, our uh, podcast. Um, so videos should be back, knock on wood, warranting no technical errors. But if not, we'll have that back for you in full swing next week after I've worked out all the kinks. So lots to look forward to over on that channel. We're going to be developing lots of new and exciting content on both channels now as well. So, uh, you know, now's a great time to get it on the ground floor, show your support, go subscribe. And if you're J. Jonah Jameson, there will be pictures of Spider-Man. Get me all of your pictures of Spider-Man. Send them to me uh, on Twitter. You can hit us up. <laughs> Let us know <laughs> what you're thinking about Spider-Man or anything else. And, uh, yeah, as always, thank you guys so much for joining us here on another episode of the Video Game Pals. If you want to show your support uh, outside YouTube, remember, if you're an audio listener, give us a like on your platform of choice. Uh, apparently, last week's show did not go up on iTunes this week. We're oh, still... No. We don't know what's up with our RSS feed. We're trying to figure it out. I don't know. But um, wish us luck on that one. Uh, hopefully we'll be back on iTunes this week. If not, you can get us, you know, Spotify, Apple Podcast, not Apple Podcast. I just said that one. Spotify. <laughs> no, we're not even on Spotify. What am I fucking saying? SoundCloud. We're on SoundCloud. Mean? That's our, pro yeah, I, fucking A. Um, either way, uh, we're on all the other platforms. You can still get the show. You can listen to it if you missed last week's show. It was a good one. We had Ed on from the Party Nerds to talk about last week's Nintendo Direct. So just wanted to plug that one in case you missed it. Um... And, uh, you know, like, share, subscribe, all that fun stuff. You know, help the show out. You know what to do. You listen to it at the top if you're this far along. I'm sure you've listened to one episode all the way through. And know how you can help us. So please do. And before we get out of here, we'll do some plugs. Sean, why don't you start us off? Cool. So, uh, for me, you can get me on uh, social media at Sean Soapbox. Uh, this week, we are talking all about... Um, what are we talking about? We're talking about Captain Marvel. It's our 100th episode over on the Comics Pals, so you're definitely going to want to give that a listen. We're talking about Captain Marvel, and uh, we play a game of Jeopardy. Comic book Jeopardy, yeah. and and Mr. <laughs> Marco Animoto is going to be playing Alex Trebek, so um, it was a train wreck. Go watch. <laughs> <laughs> At the very least, you'll have fun. It was deeply entertaining. I'll tell you that much. So I got to ask, in honor of Captain Marvel, how many old ladies did you punch in the face? Several. Two. 
Two. Okay, pretty good. Twice as many as her. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Uh, Andy? Uh, you can find me over on Twitter at Tiger underscore Millions. Uh, hit me up if you want to talk about Shadow of the Tomb Raider, because none of these scrubs are playing it, and that's breaking my heart. I just want to talk about archaeology with someone and how it belongs in a museum. <laughs> awesome. So go hit up Andy to talk about that. Uh, as for me, you can connect with me at loud underscore Pete on Twitter and Instagram. I am always down to talk about Spider-Man with you uh, morning, noon, or night. So hit me up about that while I'm still in the throes of it. Uh, I'm also on the Comics Pals with Sean. Uh, f- thank you for 100 episodes over on that wonderful program if you're a listener there as well. If you haven't checked it out, now's the perfect time to jump on. Uh, that 100th episode was a doozy, and it was greatly enjoyable. Uh, also from the world of the Comics Pals, we're going to be bringing back the Comics Pals book club this week uh, with our um, episode on Four Kids Walk Into a Bank, which was a great little indie title from Black Mask Studio that uh, we enjoyed for the most part. Um, so go check that one out. And then, uh, in just another week, we're going to be having our Venom Lethal Protector book club, which I'll be hosting. Uh, so that's going to be a good time. And if you want to find Thompson on Twitter, he's Relic Vampire. Yep. Relic Vampire. He's also on Pals Play with me. We're playing Spider-Man this week on our brand new YouTube channel. Go check it out. Uh, so that's going to wrap it up for this episode of the, oh, Jesus. This is the worst plugs I've ever done, Uh, ever. You caught the Andy. I did. If you, that wraps it up for this episode of the Video Game Pals. I love you dearly. We'll see you next week. Bye, everybody. Spider-Man, Spider-Man, does whatever a spider can. Spins a web, any size, catches seeds, just like guys. Look out, here comes the Spider-Man.